Good morning. Welcome on in. 97.5-1280 The Zone. DJ and PK coming at you on this early morning, Tuesday, March 30th. I'm PK. DJ is off today. And we've got a lot to discuss. The Jazz with another easy win. 114-75 to over the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers stink. Got yeah, a nice backcourt, but other than that, they stink. And the Jazz took care of business. That was the great thing about it. Forget about these slow starts. Doesn't that slow start stuff seem like it was a while ago now? It's all about starting fast and burying teams that aren't very good. That's at least three in a row. We need DJ here. He's got the better memory. But uh, both Memphis games over the weekend, Friday and Saturday, were Fast. I mean, obviously Memphis came back Friday, Saturday they didn't. And then last night, 27-18, to 18, was it, in the first quarter? Jazz established themselves and almost did the exact same thing. I think it was 26-16 in the second quarter, and that baby was over. Why not take all the mystery out of it right away? Of course, no need to let the Cavaliers believe they've, they've got a chance. Very impressive. I mean, they stink, obviously, but that's what you're supposed to do. When you're a very good team and you're playing a team that stinks, crush them. Beat them big time right from the start. Take it away. And then you get the guys get in there and just can have a good time. Move the ball around. Nobody really stood out offensively. They didn't need to because they had great balance. Donovan Mitchell, Gobert, and Conley all in the upper teens. And everybody else got, got a bunch of guys got into the end of the bench. Ilyasova got some time. The new kid, Thomas, got some time. That's good stuff. There's really nothing to complain about. And I put on Facebook, can this team do what it did earlier in the season? Can it run off a great big-time win streak? You know, what did they have, 11 and then another one uh, of uh, 10, was it, in a row, 21 of 22? Can they do that again? I think they can. Why not? Tell me. Tell me why they can't. I think we know why they can, because they got great talent. they got great three-point shooters, right? Of course, that's why they can. We know why they can. Tell me why they can't. Let me know. Hit me up. Why can't they run off another impressive win streak? I believe they can. I don't. Uh, maybe next week, the 7th of April, they got Phoenix. That's a decent game. Memphis tomorrow night in Memphis. Memphis had a nice win uh, last night. Who did they beat? I got it right here for you in a second. Memphis. I know they beat somebody, and I am looking right now. And maybe uh, they're a good team. I mean, they're not a great team. Either way, they beat the Rockets, and the Rockets stink. They beat them by 10, 120 to 110. So they should be able to beat those guys, and they did. Uh, they're going on the road. It's a you know a halfway decent team, having to beat them three times in five days or whatever it is, six days, may not be the easiest thing, but Jazz are set up, set up to do very very well. Also, we got half of the Final Four decided. The second half of the Final Four will be decided tonight. How about this? You have an opportunity of uh, Houston got there last night, and Gonzaga tonight if they beat SC. You'd have two teams that are not from Power 5 conferences, obviously, with uh, the AAC and the West Coast Conference if Gonzaga should win and get to the Final Four. 
That would be sort of cool. You'd have BYU's basketball conference and the conference that some BYU fans would like to see them in football. I certainly wouldn't mind it if they joined that conference in football. I think it would be halfway decent. They don't need to do it right now, but something to keep a hold on because I think that that conference is pretty good in football. Uh, But it doesn't look like it's going to be on the horizon right now. So we'll see how that plays out. And uh, Baylor beat Arkansas to get the uh, two teams that we know are in the Final Four, Houston and uh, Baylor, obviously. And I think Houston was a two-seed, Baylor's a one-seed. So, And obviously Gonzaga is a one-seed, too. So we'll see how that plays out tonight. All right, coming up next, we're going to do some Utah football. Utah football, they're speaking uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I think Kyle Whittingham is speaking on Mondays and Fridays. And they're rotating. And as far as the speakers they had were the offensive guys, the running backs. So we'll let you hear from Kyle Whittingham, Kyle McDonald, uh, and then the running back, the three running backs, uh, Bernard, Pledger, and Curry. Stay with us, 97.5-1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Welcome on in. Appreciate you joining us early. I'm going to listen to some Utah football sound. Kyle Whittingham. And his running backs coach, McDonald, we're going to listen to them, and then we'll be back. And we will also get to the best of the Jazz postgame. Okay, sorry guys about the uh, delay. We had uh, some logistical issues this morning. Uh, but anyway, here we are. Uh, not a lot to uh, talk about from my point of view, different than what we had Friday. Uh, other than we did have a really uh, outstanding practice on Saturday. It was the first live work of uh, – of the spring, and so it was good to uh, see the uh, the guys when there was uh, no no limitations, and uh, it was it was a positive practice. Uh, still continue to make progress, and uh, we're now what uh, two weeks down, three weeks to go, and uh, we'll be on the field uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week, uh, getting the weekend off, and then finish off uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday in the successive two weeks. So, so things are going well. Uh, no. Uh, major issues at this point and uh that's where we're at so questions we'll start off with trevor allen kslsports.com kyle when when you look at the running back position last year you you had a a four horse race uh going into the season and then uh you know ty ty jordan emerged and now you've got three running backs and then ricky coming in um, later, do you do you see this being a similar situation going into fall camp, or or is there a guy emerging now? As of now, a very similar situation as last year going into fall camp uh, with the three guys that we got uh, at the top of the chart now, and then adding Ricky Parks in the summer. Now that could change. You know, we still got nine practices left this spring, and and uh, you know things can happen. People can. Uh, Work their way up or down the depth chart, if the case may be. But, but as it sits right now, 
that looks like the most, uh, I don't want to say logical, but the most, uh, that I think that's the best bet is that it will be a four, four guy uh, competition between the four guys we're talking about with TJ Pledger, Chris Curry, Makai Bernard, who are here with us now, and then Ricky Parks uh, being added in the summer. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, specifically with Pledger and Curry, you know, they're coming from, you know, two power five programs. They played at a high level. What do they bring to the room in terms of, you know, the maturity and the um, experience factor? Also? Well, just those two things for sure. Uh, to start with maturity and, and experience, they both have uh, been in programs that uh, you know, very successful and, and uh, they're, they're good players. And that's something that we, we desperately needed to add to the room is, is more talent and uh they're they're so far as i mentioned last week i think it was the transition they've made is have been very good their work habits uh everything they, they know the the uh the deal in, in big time college football i mean they've been there done that so this is this is nothing new to them and, and uh, so far they fit right in just to follow that up i know that you've addressed this already but can you just speak to the differences in, in maybe their styles and and how they play yeah, uh, TJ, uh, more of a, a scat back. I guess you could maybe compare him to John White uh, that was here uh, several years ago, a terrific running back for us, and uh, more of that type of a runner, uh, whereas Chris Curry's a bigger kid and, and more uh, tackle-to-tackle-oriented, uh, although he does have good speed and quickness to get outside, but but he's a much bigger kid, uh, 20, 25 pounds heavier than, than TJ, and so uh, that's the, you know, the two differences in those guys. Next, we'll go back to Trevor Allen. What does it say about the progress of, of your program when you can get two running back transfers from schools like Oklahoma and LSU? Well, we're related to have them, and uh, I think that our track, uh, our track record and past history with uh, running backs has been very good here as far as a production, and I think it's an attractive place for running backs to come. They, they know that uh, we're going to be running the ball, uh, a very balanced attack, running the ball you know, half the time. And, and uh, I think that's something that, uh, it's, you know, it's running back friendly. And so running backs uh, definitely have an interest in our program. That's something that uh, in the recruiting uh, that goes on, we've uh, definitely found out that uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're very attractive to the running backs in this program. And then to, to a follow up on that, um, just on, on the old line, um, you've, you've obviously moved Nick, Nick Ford over to center. What does that mean for Orlando Umana? Orlando's uh, working hard and he's, uh, you know, we got the inside three positions that uh, he fits in any one of those threes, left guard, center, right guard. And that's typical. The inside guys typically uh, can play uh, any three of those spots and, and Orlando's working for one of those spots right now. Um, and then the outside two guys, you know, are typically you know, right tackle or left tackle oriented, not not uh, cross training inside. So that that's how we separate. All the inside guys get work, pretty much all three positions, uh, but the outside guys stay stay on the edge. But uh, Orlando is having a good spring so far. Uh, he was a little banged up at the end of last season. He's feeling better now, and uh, he's competing every day. Our next question will come from Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Al, good morning. Good morning, Bill. Um, just curious, you know, you talked about the running styles of the running backs. Um, 
throwing the ball out of the backfield has become a big part of it. Maybe with limited numbers of wide receiver, it could be a bigger part of your offense this fall. How do those three guys uh, compare to some pass backs and catching the ball out of the backfield? They've all three got excellent hands and, and uh, run, run run good routes and very capable. Uh, we've had some terrific backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, Devontae Booker's probably the best we ever had here at that particular skill. And uh, But these guys, uh, are all three seem to uh, be complete backs as far as uh, running the football, catching out of the backfield, and picking up blitzes. And that's really what, uh, what you're looking for in a running back is, is a guy that can do all three of those things. Okay, do we have any other questions? One more from Steve Bartle. Morning, Coach. Um, we talked a lot about the uh, the transfers, but I'd be curious to hear about the progress of Makai Bernard. He's, you know, he kind of showcased some things last year in limited reps, but just curious to hear his progress. Yeah, he's uh, come a long way since he's gotten the program. Uh, he's got himself bigger and stronger. Uh, he's close to 200 pounds now. Uh, smart kid, uh, and probably if you had to uh, look at just the live work on Saturday, he probably graded the best of the three. Uh, when you talk about just that one isolated uh, portion of practice, which which we uh, put a lot of weight on, you know, the the, uh, the live work is what we uh, you know consider the, the the best barometer of where the players are and what uh, where they're at in the pecking order. And, and Makai really had a good Saturday for us. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. How's everything going? Great. So I just wanted to get an idea um, if you'd explain uh, the process of how you brought these two new transfers and Curry and Pledger in so quickly. Um, right fit. Uh, these guys want to come into a situation. We've done, we have a great tradition here at the running back position. Um, this is a run first team. There's no secret about that. Um, we run to win and that's just kind of a philosophy of what we do. Um, and they were looking for a place where they can come in and compete right now. This I'm all about competition. Uh, the best player will play. The best player will win. Um, that that player will start, and they wanted that opportunity. So they were looking for a school that um, was able to grant them that opportunity. So it just kind of worked out for for both uh, the players and us. And just a quick follow up: um, once one committed, did that have an effect on the other at all? No. Uh, told both of them that we we're going to wind up bringing another guy in, and at the end of the day, it's all about competing and competition, and. We're going to go out here and, and, and run the rock, and uh, the best player will get it. Hey, I wanted to ask you, what specifically, what traits specifically did you guys identify with TJ Pledger and Chris Curry that made you feel like these guys would be the, the best backs to bring into Utah? Well, first and foremost, starting with TJ Pledger, um, he was a, a weekly all-conference performer um, against Texas. So I watched that game extensively. Uh, with myself, Coach Witt, um, and a number of people on staff. What you got a chance to see about that young man is not only can he catch the ball, but he breaks a lot of tackles and he's very elusive. So we thought that um, with his technique and his skill set that he can come into this offense and be very, very productive. Well, we're talking about Chris. Um, Chris is a big physical kid. He runs downhill. Um, really paid a lot of attention to that Sugar Bowl game um, that he had against Oklahoma. Um, where he's getting downhill, running through tackles, got a chance to get more and more carries. And you see, you saw that he got stronger and stronger as the game went on. So um, I think that just kind of fits who we are, who we've been, uh, big, tough, physical guys that can have uh, some run after contact. 
We'll go next to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, if you're comfortable speaking about this, you know, what have the last three months been like for you from an emotional standpoint, just, you know, trying to process uh, and grieve Ty Jordan's death? Mm. Gotcha. Um, when you talk about that process, uh, very tough. Uh, Ty and I were very extremely close. Um, and there's always going to be ups and downs. But at the end of the day, we're a family here and family uh, looks out for each other. You know, got a chance to uh, talk to his family that's down there in, in Texas and in Dallas and the people that are surrounded, uh, that were surrounded with him for his success uh, a lot. And we've gotten a chance to become very close. And again, we'll do anything that we can for them, love them for sure. Uh, but it's just uh, one day at a time. You know, it's like losing a family member. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Um, but you just got to understand that you loved them. They loved you. And you you're hoping that they're at peace. Thank you, Kyle. We'll go next to Hans Olsen, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, how difficult is it keeping current players on roster happy? How much work goes into that? Um, and, and is it different than it used to be? Um, it's a little bit different uh, now because uh, you're – we're getting ready to get that one-time transfer uh, done. Uh, guys have an opportunity to go ahead and leave. You have the portal that didn't exist before as well, so guys can hop into the portal and, and wind up going. The problem is, is there's a misconception about the portal. There's a lot of guys sitting in the portal that do not have a home, and a lot of guys don't understand that. Uh, it's really more, I think it was like a third of the guys that hopped into the portal uh, wound up receiving a scholarship. So you might be a person that you might want want to uh, transition to somewhere else, but the grass is not always greener on the other side, you know? Um, so it's a, uh, it's a tough process, but it's all about who you recruit. It is about who you recruit and what the situation is. You know, I've had uh, guys that wound up leaving the program because they wanted to play. You know, we had uh, Ty Jordan and he was an All-American. He's an all-conference performer. And I had about four or five guys that were very, very talented. You know, uh, for example, TJ Green winds up going to Liberty. TJ Green's a very good football player, you know, but I didn't know that a freshman was going to come in here in here and take the reins, you know? So uh, these guys have dreams too. It does. So it, I think each, each situation is mutually exclusive. It's, it's, it's a base on base by base basis um, for sure. So uh, it's, it is different for sure. It is, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we are going to treat them as men, respect them, but that's not going to change us coaching them hard. When when you uh, bring in a guy like Pledger and a guy like Curry, do you go to guys on roster, guys like Bernard and others, and say, "Hey, we're bringing in these guys. Are they consulted, or 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 is this just done and then told?" Like, how do you address that with these guys? Uh, I told Makai that we're going to bring in some guys. We're going to rebuild the room. We had one guy on on scholarship on campus, <laughs> so that, I think that's kind of. Uh, I think he understood that part of it. Um, consulted? No, no. We're, I'm not consulting anybody uh, because at the end of the day, we got to do what's what's best for the program. At the end of the day, so we needed to rebuild the room. We went and got guys that can play uh the best guy we identified guys that can play for the u and we're going to go and compete you can't be scared of competition you can't because if you're scared of competition this is not the place for you 
Our last two will come from Cole Bagley and Steve Bartle. Yeah, Coach, previously uh, head coach Kyle Whittingham talked um, very highly about the development of Makai Bernard. I just wanted to get your assessment on how far he's come. He's coming. Uh, we're getting better, uh, blade of grass at a time. You know, got a chance to see flashes on Saturday of what he can do. When things break down, we can get out around the corner. But uh, there's things that we got to continue to work on. He's making strides. Um, and he's he is getting better in all facets of the game, whether it's running the ball, blocking, uh, pass catching. Uh, he's doing a good job, and he's coming along. Last one from Steve Bartle. Uh, well, Coach, uh, you were high on Makai Bernard during his recruitment. Uh, he's, you know, got a lot of potential. Just talk about his growth from day one to now. Exponential. Uh, he has exponentially grown. Um, he's grown as a man, uh, and he's grown as a football player. He's become more mature. When Makai got here, Makai was 17 years old when he got here. He was young. You know, he's just still been in high school. You know, he – he graduated uh, a year before he was supposed to, you know, so it's a maturation process, you know, so to see uh, how he was when he first got here, you know, um, and to where he is now running strong, running physically, uh, it's it's been good to see. So, and I think that he's got a lot in the tank um, and he knows exactly what he needs to do. So I'm fired up to see where he goes. All right, there you go. That is the Utah football offensive running backs, running backs coach, and, of course, Kyle Whittingham as they progress in the middle of spring ball. Coming up next, of course, it is the Jazz post game that we play every morning after the Jazz game. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, the Jazz with an easy win. No problem last night hammering the Cleveland Cavaliers as we all expected they took care of them very easily, 114 to 75. And right now, we've got the best of the Jazz post game here with Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz smashed the Cavs last night, 114 to 75. Donovan Mitchell led the way with 19 points. Uh, Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley both had 18 apiece. Rudy had 18, 17 boards, four block shots, two steals, and uh, really just blew out the Cavs. They led by 41 at one point during this game. And, in fact, all the starters played in the 20s uh, from a minute standpoint as this game was basically over before halftime. And uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, most of the starters, Rudy was in at the beginning, but uh, most everybody sat the entire fourth quarter. The Cavs uh, didn't bring a whole lot of talent to town, certainly overmatched, oversized as well. They were led by Colin Sexton, who had 20 points. Garland uh, added 18. But let's get some postgame sound going for you. Let's start off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, coach, we talk about connected defense. Uh, was tonight pretty close to that? You know, I, I thought the, the first few minutes of the game, we weren't as alert as we needed to be in transition. That's something that um, 
you know, we talked about pretty early and I, I saw our guys respond, um, you know, some good things. I, I still think off the ball, you know, we've just got to be a little more aware. Um, we really want to shift and protect the paint. And, you know, I thought did a good job of that really with the ball handler. We've just got to be conscious of cutters as well. But, you know, every game we want to defend, um, no matter who we're playing, no matter what style they're playing. And that's what we're after. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, obviously you don't want to take anything for granted in a game like this, but once you get up by a certain amount and there's only a certain amount of time left, what do you kind of shift your focus to like in terms of trying to work on things or, or in terms of getting certain habits kind of reinforced? Well, I, I think the habits are the same, you know, um, regardless of who's in the game, regardless of the score, who you're playing. And that, that's the nature of, you know, of habits. Sometimes when you get a lead, um, teams have a tendency to stop sharing the ball quite as much. Um, and that's something I think we, we did a good job of. We kept playing the right way. You know, we kept running back. There were, you know, usually if you let up mentally, you know, you can see it with certain mistakes that jump out. And that, that wasn't the case. And I thought everybody that was in the game was focused on playing defense. Last question, Sarah Todd, Desert News. When you are using one of the coaches' challenges, like when the Rudy stripped that ball or when Donovan stripped that ball, what's kind of your – checklist before you actually make that decision and is it that someone's telling you something or you're hearing a reaction or is it just from the player what what goes into that you know Sarah we talked about this a lot last year when the rule was new and um we've kind of kept the same you know the same system so to speak a lot of it will depend upon the score um you know the time and score I should say and really timeout situation so in that instance um, you know, had, had we not had a timeout coming, but in, in that case, we were able to use a mandatory timeout that was coming at seven and, and it was a good time to go ahead and do it. Sometimes, you know, whether it's a player's foul, um, oftentimes, a, you know, a third or fourth foul that can come into play. And then, you know, you see a lot of times when I think coaches are reluctant to use their challenge because you don't get the timeout back. And, you know, particularly at the end of the game, if you need to advance the ball, um, you know, you're really weighing that versus, versus the challenge. So a lot of things that go into it. Um, I think the, the league will keep looking at the rule, um, but I think people are getting more used to, um, to using the challenge. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Talks a little bit uh, there about what goes into reviewing uh, and deciding when to review a play. Kind of uh, interesting. The, all the topics you get into when uh, the Jazz uh, blow out uh, an uninteresting team. Let's get some uh, player sound. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert. Hey, Rudy. First question will be Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Can't see. Hey, Rudy. When you guys get such a big lead, it's easy to let up mentally, but you guys didn't do that. Did you have conversations about that, or how do you keep the pedal down through such big leads? I think uh, regardless of the score, you know, regardless if you're up, uh, if you're down, we 
we really want to keep getting better every single you know minute on the court and regardless if it's you know end of the game early in the game we want to play defense and uh and and we want to shout the ball offensively and, and shoot the ball and you know tonight i think was probably one of our best game in terms of con- consistency defensively i think you know every single minute on the court everyone that came in was uh, was locked in defensively so it was big Next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, it's the second lowest uh, point total for any team this year uh, that you guys allowed. I mean, you guys usually have a lot of really good defensive nights, but this one was a great one. What was the difference between pretty good and great in this instance? I think our communication was great from the beginning. You know, um, we really didn't let them get comfortable. You know they have a lot of guys that can, you know, uh, that can re- that can score a lot of points if they get comfortable. And you know we really did a great job protecting the paint, and uh, and also we didn't give them any transition points. You know, or maybe a few, but we did a great job running back and uh, set our defense. And uh, you know when you when you have to play against our half court defense, it's a different game. Matt Coles, AP. Rudy, it seems like you've elevated your game since the All-Star break. What do you think that you've improved the most in these last uh, eight, nine games? I think I'm getting more and more comfortable. You know, um, obviously offensively, you know, my teammates are doing a, a great job looking for me even more. And uh, and it's on me to, you know, to, to be a better playmaker and then finisher around the rim for my team. And, you know, uh, I, I put a lot of work in every day to, to get better. And, uh, and I know that, you know, in the playoff, it's going to be huge for me to, to be dominant out there. And obviously defensively, you know, I think, uh, you know, I keep raising my level and try to keep raising the team level defensively every single day to, you know, when it's, when it's playoff time uh, for us to be at our best defensively. That was Rudy Gobert. Uh, boy, Rudy, terrific. Once again, 18 points, 17 boards, four block shots. Uh, Rudy, consistently good, night in, night out. Let's check in with Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Donovan. We'll get started with Sarah Todd, Desert News. Sounds good. Hey, Don, I know, I know that it was a small moment in the game and it probably didn't matter to the larger scheme of things, but when you get a coach's challenge on a play like the one where you strip the ball and you know it's clean, What I mean, is that – vindication how sweet is that moment and what like the fact that Quinn's willing to take that time out and risk it for that Uh, I mean you know I just tried to make the play on the ball and you know I told him I said you can take it if you want to if you don't you know I think I had like no fouls at that point so I wasn't you know I wasn't too worried about if they were shooting free throws but you know it definitely was good to feel like I was right I knew I hit the ball but sometimes referees just make mistakes you know at the end of the day but you know if I, I guess if it was like a closer situation or late game, uh, it might have been a different emotion, you know. I might have been a little even more excited. But, you know, um, I think for me, it's just for all of us, I think you know, when you when you know you don't do something and you, and you get that challenge, I think it's, a, it's definitely a good feeling for sure. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, obviously the priority remains, you know, not losing a big lead, you know, that you guys picked up. But once – the advantage gets to a certain point. How does the game shift in terms of, you know, trying to get guys going who are maybe struggling or trying to develop, you know, certain habits or work on certain things as the game goes along? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is when you're up by that much, it's tough to stay locked in, you know, and we've been culprits of doing that a few times uh, between this year, last year. Um, We've seen it, you know, I think for us is how do we continue to stay 
you know, locked in. And I think the biggest thing is offensively it is what it is, but I think the biggest thing is the defensive end. You know, there was a stretch where I think it was Mike got back, Royce did, and then I did, you know, three mental errors. And I think that's really where our mind has to stay locked in on that point, you know, and it can't happen. And we fixed it. We cleaned it up. Now, don't get me wrong. We had plenty of really good defensive possessions, but, you know, those the little ones, you know, and they're, they're, they're going to happen. But, you know, if we can control those and put an emphasis on it, that way it's still in the forefront of our, our brains. Um, I think that's something that we really put emphasis on when we're up by, when we have leads like that. Um, and then, you know, as far as guys, you know, shooting, shooting out of slumps or whatever, just, just let it fly, you know, getting guys the ball in situations and letting them, letting them attack, you know, not really putting too much pressure on them, I think, is the biggest thing. Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach mentioned the amount of work that you put into your craft, the film sessions with Watt. What does that look like, that process, the routine, you know, kind of after like a night like tonight and let's say before you, you go to Memphis? Sorry, say that again. Sorry, I... I zoned out for a quick second. <laughs> Sorry. Well, coach was talking about just the amount of work you put into your craft and the film sessions with Jeff Watt Watkinson. Um, I'm just curious what that routine for you looks like, like after a game, like tonight, you know, are you watching breaking down film and then before the next one? Yeah. You know, it's actually, uh, it's been a lot of uh, KD or Keon um, pregame, every game uh, we're in there. Um, just going over different things, you know, um, for him to come in and, you know, not be a first-year coach, you know, coming in there and really teaching me things that he's seen, you know, throughout the league and his time. But also for me, I've always been like that in college, you know, watching film. I think film is the biggest way, you know, when you can't necessarily always get the physical reps, you know, when you play as – when you have a shortened season, when you got to rest your body. I think the mental things of understanding how teams are going to guard me, understanding what's going to be open, you know, manipulating the situations to, to get – anything you want as far as a, a basket. If you want to get a shot, if you want to get, you know, a boy on a shot, if you want to get Mike a shot. And, you know, and it helps when you have not only the coaches, but when you have Mike, Joe, you know, two guys who handle the ball, who I look at and, and ask questions to and just watch. Um, but for me, it's been consistent film work. You know, I'm at the house watching, you know, basketball 24-7. Uh, Joe makes fun of me for it, but, like, that's, that's all I do. Um, even when I'm playing video games. Uh, there's always a TV, you know, or something to scream on it or something, whether it's our game or, you know, whoever we're playing, whoever may be playing or whoever, just any type of NBA game, just to find habits and just to find ways to better myself and be the best player I can be, which ultimately uh, help the team. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. So, Donovan, we've talked a lot about your first quarters recently and over the last five games. I think you're a top five scorer in the NBA in first quarters. On the other hand, for the season, you're like 72nd in scoring in the fourth, and that's a major flip from last year. Is that good? I mean, do you, do you like that you don't have that much pressure to score late? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's a crazy stat. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good one. Um, you know, for me, it's not always about, like I said, my job is to, you know, some nights is go out there and try and score. Sometimes it's, you know, it's it's impacting the game in different ways. I've had bad shooting nights. I've had nights where I don't have to shoot. But when you have – as much shooting as we do, teams start to kind of take the ball out of my hands and I find guys, you know, trusting my teammates. That's been a big development in my career and, and just being able to find those reads. And that goes back into what I was telling Kristen with the film, you know, understanding that, okay, the first three quarters are going to go like this. And then this is what's going to happen in the fourth. The game's going to slow down. There's going to be certain situations. I got to be able to find ways to manipulate them to get a shot, a pass or whatever. Who's going to be open in what situation? Um, fortunately, this year, we really haven't had 
many close games. You know, I think that's that's also been a part of it too, um, where we haven't had situations where, I've, you know, you've seen it through my career where I've had the ball, you know, a bunch, you know, and also on top of that, you got to give credit to the guys we have, whether it's Mike, Joe, Boyan, Rudy, Royce, like we got guys out there that can take the pressure off myself and it's, and I have no problem, you know, doing that. And, you know, they trust me just like I trust them. And it's been, it's really easy when you just be able to have so many options out there. So I guess you can equate that to that, but I don't really, I'm not really um, worried about that. If that makes sense. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, when you're sitting at the end of the game, kind of watching the fourth quarter, are you, I know you're in kind of supportive teammate mode, but are you kind of like a coach on the sideline there a little bit? Are you watching to see, you know, who's doing well with their minutes, even, you know, in their limited time as, as young players? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is how can I help? You know, I think, you know, for me, you know, a guy I've talked to a lot about, is, is, talked a lot with is Trent. You know, he's a guy that, you know, just kind of teaching them certain angles, certain finishes, certain ways to get people involved, you know, and the biggest way, and, and my mom being a teacher, she always told me, you know, when you teach someone, when you verbally speak something, you're also helping yourself develop too, you know. So for me, I'm kind of telling them certain situations. So not only am I helping them, but I'm helping, you know, myself as far as seeing the game as well from a different vantage point, you know, and understanding that these guys look to me and I'm, I'm out there to just to be a resource, you know, not just to support, but to go out there and just say, hey, this is what you see here. This is what coach wants. Um, this is what coach would like to see here. This is our scheme here, whether it's Trent, JB, Mie, Matt Thomas, George, like whoever it may be, um, uh, Eli, like they've done a great job. You know, we've been in a few of those situations where they've got a lot of minutes uh, re recently. Um, and I'm just doing what was what was done with me. You know, uh, I give a huge credit to Rodney, you know, Rodney Hood, who did that for me, you know, throughout my whole entire rookie season. Um, and, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, continue to, to, to show that like, I, I'm here for these guys if they need anything. Um, uh, as far as advice throughout the game, but also being able to see things, like I said, that'll help myself, you know, when I get into the game as well. There's Donovan Mitchell, 19 points for Donovan, 7 of 14, shooting 4 of 7 from 3, did most of that damage in the first half because it was not needed in the second half. Let's get some more sound. Let's uh, go to George Niang. All right, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, George, uh, I know that you talked about how excited you were about Matt coming over, but just being on the court with him and, you know, you guys passing the ball to each other, running up and down, how nice is that? Yeah, as you can see from the smile on my face, it's like old times. We had a lot of good memories at Iowa State. and uh, Like I said before, I think it's just so unique and cool that, you know, you can live out a dream that you once talked about with one of your good friends in college, in college about what it's like to be at the next level, and we get to uh, – not to sound too mushy, but we get to do it together on, on the same team. Um, it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was great to be back out there um, with Matt and, and see him put the ball in, in the hoop, put the orange thing in the orange thing. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, George, once you guys get up by as much as you were and, you know, you go from playing with kind of the rotation guys to being kind of the anchor point with the young guys in the fourth quarter how does the focus shift like what kind of things are you working on what kind of things are you telling them as they're getting some experience playing in the game uh you know i think the biggest thing for me is just continuing to play the right way whether that's me being involved more in actions or pick and roll or post-ups just still playing the right way you know making the right reads and defending coach is always preaching about defending so the biggest thing is just when i'm out there with them is lead by example uh 
and do the right things. Uh, I think that that's really all I'm really focused on is continue to play the right way, no matter what the score is. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey George, can you kind of feel when teams get intimidated per se by Rudy? <laughs> uh, for sure. When, you know, they're not taking shots at the rim or they're taking long contested twos. Um, I don't know what word you'd use it, but the gravity that Rudy has as a defender with, you know, keeping guys out of the paint is uh, one that is like one I've never seen. Uh, You know, it's realistically the way we play defense is, you know, if your guy does beat you, you know, continue to stay on his hip and good luck, you know, because I mean, Rudy's seven two. He's a skilled shot blocker. He's not just big, but you know, he's skilled at what he does and he, has a great ability if he's not going to block the shot to just make guys miss. So um, there's a reason why he's a two-time defensive player of the year. And with everything that's being said, he should be the three-time defensive player of the year. Um, Just putting that out there. No, I don't think anybody affects the game more defensively than Rudy does. And that's just a fact. All right. Next up, Kristen Kenny, Just TV. Face in Memphis for the third time in six days in Memphis. Uh, What do you expect this time around? Uh, dog fight, uh, you know, n- nothing less than that. Uh, Memphis is a super tough team uh, and they have a lot of skilled guys and they're not happy that they came out here and dropped two against us. So we're definitely going to get their best bet and their best fight. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to be ready for it. Um, I think it's huge for our growth to get out there and, and get that game. Um, obviously it's going to be a tough one, but you know, the way we started this season, we're really just focused on getting a little bit better each day. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. George, you're now seasoned veteran, so I'm going to ask you about the young guys. And in particular, you know, you're playing with Trent, you're playing with Elijah, you're playing with Jarrell Brantley. What do you notice from those guys in their minutes so far? And, and kind of what are you excited about with, with them? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing uh, that I'm excited for them is you kind of see a little bit of your journey in that, you know, building brick by brick with, you know, every five to 10 minute stint that they get and the stuff that you see them work as working endless hours on in pickup when they play three on three or four on four and in practice and when their workouts and you get to see that implemented um, in their game when they're out there. And uh, there's a quote, you know, Jeff Van Gundy spoke to my college team one time and told me, you know, when you find like real happiness in the game is when you can actually be happy for someone else's success. And sometimes I catch myself acting like a silly schoolgirl jumping up and down when they're making threes and, you know, doing the moves that they've worked on. And that's the best part is because I know what it was like to grind and get to that point and work hard and to get your opportunity and to see those guys have that success and see the stuff that they work hard on work is like uh, thrilling. You know, it's thrilling for me because I'm happy for them because I I've been in their shoes and I know how much work they put in. So to see the ball go in for them makes me uh, really happy. And especially when they play well. There's George Niang, uh, George, three of five, nine points coming in off the bench. Uh, talked about uh, how excited he is to play with newest jazz man, Matt Thomas, his uh, former uh, college teammate. Let's lap, wrap up player sound by hearing from Mike Conley. We'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike. So just for starters, just wondering, after uh, the first half that you had, obviously you came out firing in the second half and you are a little more efficient. What changed for you after halftime? 
Well, you know, I, I thought uh, after the half, I just made it a point to try to get the ball and try to be more aggressive and, and look to make plays. I thought, you know, I can, I can get kind of lost out there. And, and, you know, in the flow of the game, we got so many guys that can make plays and handle the ball that um, you miss a few shots, you know, it can, uh, you know, you can get a little bit passive. So I think I got to that point. Um, and then third quarter, I just, you know, coach, coach drew up a couple plays and, you know, I took the initiative and uh, got a little bit more, um, you know, ball heavy and made plays and uh, looked to score. Kristen Kenny, Joss Huey. Despite a big lead, you guys didn't let up mentally. Is that maturity, experience, or what do you attribute that to? Well, I think it has a lot of uh, a lot of things, but I think our coaches, uh, especially Coach Quinn, you know, just pushing us at every timeout, pushing us at every uh, halftime of games like this to continue to 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 try to be perfect, to try to be great. Um, in order to do that, you have to be consistent, and uh, and and we've kind of taken that and run with it. And tonight, we were able to accomplish that for four quarters because um, we've had games where we've we've had leads and, and let it slip away. So. You know, was, I'm proud of our guys to, you know, to be able to take what coaches said, coaches said, and apply it to the games, and um, and take pride in, in, in continuing to to play jazz basketball regardless of the league. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. <clears throat> Mike, you guys tied the franchise record now for home wins uh, in a row with 20 in a row. How does this compare to a seasons past when you've had fans in the arena? And B, what it was like when you were in Grind City. Like, what's it like to have that confidence when you're playing at home? Um, it's a special feeling, honestly. You know, when you're able to know coming into a building uh, like like we have here in Vivint, that, you know, we have an advantage. We always feel like that. Even with, you know, the stands not completely full, we feel like we, you know, still have some of the best fans in the, in, in the world. So, um, you know, you can imagine when it's, when it's packed and when it's full. I mean, it was similar – in Memphis, when we were, you know, we were rolling those years, um, you know, our fans were all over the place and we were just, you know, it was a tough place to come play and we knew it. Um, you know, every time somebody left that building, they were like, man, you know, we hate playing you guys. We hate playing in the, in the grindhouse. And I feel like that's what, you know, we're trying to build here and we're continuing to, you know, take pride in, in coming in every day, suiting up in front of our home fans. Last question, follow up from Kristen Kenny. Uh, Mike, Quinn mentioned just the amount of work that Donovan puts into his craft, which we've talked about this before, but, you know, and he was saying at his house, he's, wa he's watching basketball 24 seven with all of his monitors. Um, can you just, what is that like? I mean, how many monitors does this guy have? Is he constantly talking about basketball with you guys? I mean, just, just the amount of focus that he has on the game. Yeah. Uh, he's unbelievable. He's a student of the student of the game. Honestly, he probably watches, you know, more basketball than I've seen from anybody. Like, I mean, that, and that's across the board. He's watching college to NBA. I mean, the whole league pass. He's watching every game that's going on. So um, he's always learning. He's always, you know, he's just a fan. He's a kid and loves loves to 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 watch uh, watch the game and learn from it. So I think it's, he's applying it to his game. He's applying the things he's learning and uh, he's working for it. There is Mike Conley, 18 points for Mike, five assists and four rebounds. Jazz win 114 to 75 over the Cavs. Up next, the Jazz play the Memphis Grizzlies again tomorrow night in Memphis. That game will tip off at six. Pre-game coverage begins at five. All right, there you go. The Jazz with an easy win. 
How much can they win? What's their winning streak going to be? All the headlines have the Final Four set up now with Arkansas and Houston going to the Final Four. We'll get to get to that next. Stay with us. Here's the headlines. What is trending's coming up next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Driving. Donovan. Right hand scoop and a score. The level of difficulty is a 9.7. And the ease is as just absolutely looks as easy as possible. Right corner Royce. Resets Bogdanovich. Gives over to Donovan. Deep three. Perfect. Man, he is just incredible right now. Clarkson left side. Conley rotates to Niang. Say it with me. Open up the slidey door. Throw the triplets in the minivan. George Niang parries a three. All right, that's just way too long. If you're going to have where you want them to repeat it, it's got to be much smaller. Open up the minivan, slide in the kids, and let's drive to work and go to Costco. I mean, what was that? Who could possibly remember all that? Well, you didn't write it there, so we'll just leave it alone. And degree of difficulty, 9.7, says who? Is there, does, he, does Locke have a manual right in front of him that says, okay, if you do this, you do that, you do that, and it equals a degree of difficulty of 9.7? This hyperbole is getting out of control, young Yak, and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. We'll just blame it on the Russian judge. <laughs> I thought it was the French. Whatever, French, <laughs> Russian, they all screw it up. Yeah, oh man, DJ's gone. I mean, man, for four years he hammered the Russian thing in my ear and in your ear, left and right. It's true. And he's off today, but fortunately we don't have to hear about those corrupt Russian people. You know, geez, he just went nuts on that till he finally got his way, if you know what I mean. Speaking of getting his way and their way, the Jazz just roll over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mark Price ain't walking through that door. Larry Nance Sr., is not walking through that door. Craig Elo. Craig Elo. So I had a friend, since this is story time now, since, you know, DJ's not here to interrupt me, I get to say what I want. Uh, ooh, don't think I ever forgot the soccer manifesto when he said that. We didn't. When, and I was listening when he just slapped me down like that. Boy, that hurt. That hurt, I got to admit. Uh, I had a friend who played college basketball for George Raveling. And everything that George would reference about a great player and whatnot, it would always go back to when he coached Craig Elo at Washington State. And my friend never met Craig Elo, but came to hate Craig Elo because George Raveling would always talk about Craig Elo. You know, that's like I had a neighbor in the first house I lived in in Sandy. That guy can uh, confess to me that he got sick of hearing about me because his wife said he didn't like the way she didn't like the way he cut the yard, and she said, "Why can't you cut the yard the way Kinahan cuts it next door?" <laughs> and, and it really just—he told me, man, he got sick of it, so he hated the way I cut the yard because I went at an angle, you know, tried to make it fancy. So there you go. The Jazz, I mean, they, they cut the yard very easily. Cleveland put up a little resistance, and they roll. 
They just absolutely just annihilate him by what? What's twenty-five and fourteen? Help me out, and that's what I can come Maybe to. Thirty-nine the, points. Thirty-nine points. Yeah. The thing that I like about in the last couple of ball games, really the last three, that's all I can remember. It might be longer than that. That's where I need DJ. He's got the nerd memory to come in and say. Last three, at least, they have not. Uh, they've eliminated the slow starts, and I think that's good. Obviously, that's good. It's not brain surgery here to figure that one out for sure by any stretch. You know, the first game against Memphis, Memphis came back, but still, Jazz came out out of the gates quick, and that had been a little bit of a problem. And then it wasn't a problem in the two Memphis games, and obviously wasn't it a problem against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I realize that's a, that's a bad Cleveland team for sure. So, But the good thing is they're 35 and 11. What is that? Have they won one, how many have they won at home? 20 now? Is that what it is? 20 home wins, yes. And does that tie the record or set the record? I mean, that's, that I'm not sure on. I'm sure it's right around it, though. Text DJ. He would know. I know. We'll text him right now. He should be putting out some fairly controversial tweet right about now. Uh, so there you go. They got the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow. Talk about the Jazz a little bit, obviously, rest of the morning. Mike Smith, who does the pre-half and post-game analysis for the Jazz Station, AT&T. He'll be joining us in about two hours to give us his perspective. He's been around this league for a long time as a player and a broadcaster. See what he has to say. So stay with us for that right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Left corner to Brown, working along the baseline, draws a crowd, out to Harden. Three straight on, is good for James Harden. He's got 36, and Minnesota wants a timeout. Porzingis around Roby, all the way to the rim, and then passed it back out to Kleba, touched to Finney Smith, drives on Roby again, and up top for Porzingis, and he spikes it through in the left hand. Draymond Green with it, striving down the left side of the lane, kicks it back to Stephen Curry, right wing triple, yes sir, six three-pointers and counting for Stephen Curry, he's got 30. Up and under move. At the right elbow, in and out, no, oh, another follow. It's Kawhi Leonard up high for another tip slam. <laughs> DJ texted French judge, carry on, PK. <laughs> he is listening. Hi, DJ. <laughs> See, I miss that. I He is my guy. I got to have that because he has detail. He's a detailed guy. <laughs> and, I, and I don't have the detail that he has. <laughs> And so that's why we work, <laughs> because he has detail. He remembers stuff. He's way, way better at it than I am. And he can just recall it as if he's looking at it. Just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> uh, funny guy. So that was the uh, NBA last night, some of the highlights. I think the biggest game here, as far as we, c- we care about from the Jazz perspective, is the Clippers blew out Milwaukee 129-105. to uh, Kawhi Leonard, 23, nine boards and eight assists. He's a great player. Uh, game was on NBA TV, flicking back and forth because it's not like the Jazz game was uh, that compelling in the second half. And then also had some college basketball going on there. And I don't really know what to make of Milwaukee. You know, I just, I just I, I've been saying it now for over a year that uh, I, don't, I don't really believe in them. I guess is the bottom line. And I know there's a lot of folks who don't believe in the Jazz, and and they hear and I'm local, so. It's probably people in Milwaukee saying, well, uh, local people, I don't believe in the Jazz. So I get it. I get it. I understand. It's fair. Uh, until you've done it, uh, like Kawhi Leonard's done it, it's hard to uh, come up with some belief there, particularly if you, obviously, if you haven't done it. Steph Curry returns, 32 points, 
had to figure he would go off when he came back. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Spurs in a free fall, lose at home to the Sacramento Kings. Not good. James Harden, 38 points, 11 boards, 13 assists. Now, he came out over the weekend. Somebody asked him about the MVP. He said, I'm the MVP. I should be the MVP. Are you supposed to say that? You got a problem with that? Saying stuff like that? Is that over the top? We've heard it from LeBron. We've heard it from Kyle Kuzma about LeBron. So, Yeah, but you can have other folks say it yeah, to you Harden's, about you. Yeah, Harden saying it. I, I don't know. That cocky sun devil, man. They're a dime a dozen, aren't they? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I think he's playing at an MVP level, and now with LeBron out, uh, to me, he's the leading candidate uh, for what he's doing because he's been carrying that team. Now, Kyrie Irving did return. Obviously, Durant is still out, uh, but still Harden has been the one constant. And I guess there's never been an MVP who's been traded. And I was listening to NBA radio and the other day, and they were talking about this MVP candidacy. He thought that some people may hold it against him the way he sort of weaseled his way out of Houston and then gets traded to a team now that has been identified as the favorite to win it all with their acquisitions of the veterans, Blake Griffin and Aldridge, and with LeBron out and Anthony Davis out, and maybe there's some uncertainty there. I think the Nets have some uncertainty too. Have to figure out what they're going on, what's going to happen there when they get their guys back. Uh, and if Durant comes back, I assume he's going to come back and Irving will be there. So that'll certainly be something to watch. And then the Grizzlies, who host the Jazz tomorrow, Valanciunas, 30 and 15. Man, watching him for two games straight over the weekend. He's a load. He is one big dude. Uh, that's for sure. And then there was, oh, one other game I thought it would be funny. Uh, Fournier with the Celtics. We did an 0 for 10 in his debut. 33 minutes. <laughs> Didn't make a shot. Nice debut, son. <laughs> I saw some stat. That's where I did DJ to fill in for me about uh, if you played 30 minutes and you took at least 10 shots, it's ranks right there with some of the worst, if not the worst, performance. Said, wow. I mean, that's a bad shooting night for that young fellow. He's a decent player. Uh, he's averaging close to 20 points with Orlando. Uh, so we'll see what goes on. And the Houston Rockets general manager, Stone, Raphael Stone, expressed confidence in the franchise, but not need to employ a wholesale tank strategy rebuild, starting the, citing the haul of first-round picks that he got in the uh, James Harden trade. I would for sure 100% do that deal again. Again, you guys don't have the advantage of knowing everything I know, but literally no part of me regrets doing that deal. I've got, I have not second-guessed it for a moment. A lot of what I said about being in a position maybe to not have to be bad or rebuild. There's some other things we've done too, but it's primarily that the deal has allowed us to say, hey, we want to compete on a slightly quicker time frame. Okay. He goes on to say some more. Sure, I can buy that, but are, are you going to hit? How, to what level are you going to hit? Now, the pressure's on, and you're right. We, I assume he's talking to the media, that uh, we don't know all that you know, and we'll never know all that you know unless you flat out tell us everything, and that's not your job to tell us everything. You got these draft picks, but that's all they are right now. I mean, you look at the studly nature of Donovan Mitchell, and he is just a star of big-time magnitude, and all the teams that passed on him, and the Jazz plucked him. What did they go? What did he go, 12, something like that? 
ain't coming as a trade, obviously. But uh, better cash in on these draft picks. That's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college basketball. And the Cougars claw their way to the final four for the first time since 1984. 67 61. Houston is back on the biggest stage. The final four sees a Cougar return this weekend with a six point win over the Oregon State Beavers. Here comes the horn. It is over. The Baylor Bears are going to the Final Four. Their first trip to the national semifinals since 1950. Baylor 81, Arkansas 72. The Baylor Bears on to the Final Four. The Baylor Bears on to the Final Four. Their women's team lost on a controversial no-foul call. Uh, possibly lost to that. They can pinpoint to that reason. It's Kim Mulkey, and Kim Mulkey came out and said, stop with the testing in the Final Four. That was controversial with the COVID testing. Ooh, man. Democrats went nuts on that one, didn't they? At least that I saw. I actually turned on that women's game, was watching the end of it. It was UConn. They moved their premier program. Stanford's very good, too, for the women. And Arizona, the ladies making the Final Four for the first time ever. They, they sucked for many years, and now that uh, coach there did a great job rebuilding that program for sure. But to the men's game, Houston and Baylor. Baylor making it for the first time since 1950. Houston since 1984, which was the Dave Rose team, was it not? Yeah, I think he was on that team with Elijah Wan and Clyde Drexler. I slam a jamma. Yeah, and that was uh, the one that uh, – so that 84 was the NC State, right? 83 yeah. was NC State. NC State, so they made it the next year, They made too? it the next year, yes. Uh, okay, so good for them. Now, Kelvin Sampson is the coach of Houston. And a little story, since it is story time, as I said. Uh, there was a coach here, prominent coach in the state of Utah, who once called me and said, you're not going to believe this, PK. I said, what? He said, we had to attend some type of uh, seminar, some type of convention on the rules of uh, what's allowable on contact to recruits. So we're going back, uh, oh, well, it would have been in the early 2000s. I don't want to say the coach's name. But uh, he told me, and the speaker was Kelvin Sampson. He said, can you believe this? Kelvin Sampson was the speaker. Now, for you wondering why this coach called me to tell me that uh, Sampson was the coach. Well, Sampson, uh, less than two seasons into his tenure at Indiana, he was forced to resign. And I'm reading here from the USA Today just to make sure I looked it up. Forced to resign wide, amid widespread NCAA recruiting violations related to prohibited phone contact that placed the Hoosiers on three years probation. All right, and you're thinking, well, eh, those things happen, but... These violations came as Sampson was already restricted from making any outgoing recruiting connections after an NCAA investigation ruled that Sampson and his staff at Oklahoma, where he had coached for 12 years, had knowingly broke recruiting rules by making hundreds of impermissible calls to the prospective student athletes. And Sampson was handed a five-year show calls penalty that that was thought to spell the end of his college career. Nope. 
He was an assistant in the pros with the Bucks and the Rockets and then got the Houston job. If there is not a more corrupt institution than college basketball, I do not know what is. <laughs> the amount of dirtiness that goes on in college basketball, but all's forgotten. And I don't think the announcers, and they tend to love to praise people. That's not their job to, to get their hands dirty, metaphorically speaking. I didn't watch the entire game, but I don't think that was brought up at all. And here he is with Houston in the Final Four for the first time since 1984. Tonight, we've got Gonzaga and SC at 5.15. And then the game after that is the UC Los Angeles Bruins. The 11 seed, right? The ones who knocked off the BYU Cougars facing Michigan. Now, Michigan's a one seed, are they not? And that should take place uh, right before 8 o'clock. Both games will be on TBS. You can listen to the action here on 1280 AM. I'm looking forward to both of these games because, obviously, we've got three of the four are involved with BYU and Utah in their respective conferences. So we'll see if the... Pac-12 can get a team into the Final Four. Oregon State obviously lost to Houston. They got down big and did actually tie it up. They had a great comeback. But then uh, Houston hit a three after I got, think it got to like 55-55. And they were old to, oh, able to hold off the Beavers. And the fairy tale and the heartbreak for Wayne Tingle's daughters. I'm not sure they can overcome that, but they'll have to. Uh, and also, a couple of guys locally. NCAA Transfer Portal. Connor Harding of BYU uh, and senior guard uh, Alfonso Plummer for Utah. Plummer says he intends to look at the uh, NBA options. So Plummer, it, it, it's sort of like Tim Timmy Allen, right? Both these kids could go pro, but their names are in the transfer portal. Yeah, in his statement, he said, that, hey, I'm going to look into potential options with the NBA. I'm also put my name in the transfer portal in case I decide to play another year with that free year due to the NCAA freezing eligibility. So I guess Craig Smith could successfully recruit them back. Sure. Uh, but I don't know to what degree. Is that a long shot? Uh, what uh, is it not possible? They're looking to get out of here because... It doesn't look like they've got a lot of talent uh, coming back. And uh, if the one or two of the foreign kids should go home, as Jim Boylan told us a lot years ago, told DJ and I when he's in studio, you risk with uh, recruiting foreign kids of them going home. And Harding, uh, he, he started at the beginning of the year, but then his playing time sort of slipped, right? Yeah, it really had an up and down year. Yeah. Started, started to see time kind of seeded over to Caleb Lohner and Gideon George. And then you had, of course, he's married to the the gal on BYU's team. Paisley Johnson huge, Harding. Huge. Who she had the huge game against? Against uh, Rutgers in the upset. Rutgers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she's got eligibility because I would assume that uh, he wouldn't be going very far. So yeah. that would lead us to believe UVU. Yeah. Juddy told the media after they lost the NCAA tournament that all of his seniors, including Paisley Johnson Harding, were expected to come back next year. So, yeah. Oh, she's I, a senior? Yeah. She's a senior, but she has that extra year to come back and play if she wants to. So, yeah, it makes you think, okay, well, if Connor's going to stay local with her, well, there's the, uh, possibility, an option yeah. just about five miles up the road. Yeah. And those programs have uh, sort of gone back and forth exchanging Correct. players. Yep. I don't blame him. If he wants playing time. Uh, go to UVU. You can get some more playing time if that's a possibility. Why not? Have at it. There you go. That's your college basketball. I'm here, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
Hashtag NFL. Is there any real mystery that you're picking Trevor Lawrence? I'd have to say that's the direction we're going, and, and I'll leave that up to the owner when we make that decision official. But I, I'm certainly not stepping out of line, and that's certainly the direction we're headed. He checks all the boxes, you know, and the number one common quality of every great player, not just quarterback, is competitive maniac. He's 34-2, and two, won a national title as a true freshman, and um, is a winner. And I've seen him up close and in person compete. Yeah, that was Urban Meyer uh, yesterday, uh, Peter King. I was watching that NBC Sports. Chris Sims was going on about uh, Zach Wilson, and uh, they had a little interview with Urban Meyer there, and that's where he said that that's the direction that they're leaning with the number one pick. Drafts uh, just under a month away, the last couple of days of April. Uh, Looking forward to seeing what's going on there. It makes sense, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know that anybody is a guaranteed lock, but it looks like, he could be pretty good. He's pretty good in college. He's got the size. He's got mobility. Uh, but I can't guarantee it. I can't guarantee that he will be better than all these quarterbacks that are projected to go in the first round. And who knows? Somebody in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, all sorts of guys out there that blossom who aren't necessarily extremely high picks. And away you go there. Interesting to see in the coming weeks, or at least for the next month, because we got Zach Wilson going pretty doggone high himself. And then add the number of lawsuits to three more for against Houston Texans QB Deshaun Watson, one that accuses Watson of deleting Instagram messages and contacting the women, quote, who formerly provided him massages in an attempt to settle those cases. We're up to 19. I read I couldn't sleep which is often the case, around 4 o'clock this morning, I was reading a Sports Illustrated piece of some gal who has not filed anything, but she wanted to go public with her uh, experience. Not good, but at the same time, Watson deserves his day in court, as they say, before we convict him. It's not looking good in the court of public opinion, particularly as it relates to a team who may want to trade for him. I'm not sure that any team who would want to, could actually take that risk and do it. Very talented quarterback. Uh, Legally, he deserves the right that every citizen deserves as far as innocent until proven guilty. So we'll leave it at that. But football-wise, could you possibly take a risk? I'm not sure. There you go. That's some NFL on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Hashtag college football. How about this? Vanderbilt announcing a $300 million project to improve football and basketball facilities and a new Vandy United Fund to raise money for athletics. This is awesome because they're in the SEC. They're known as an academic school. Now, they're really good in baseball. Uh, They've won NCAA titles. They've got a kid, Al Leiter's son, is a pitcher for Vanderbilt. Yeah, and he is lighting it up. Left and right now, his brother, uh, Al Leiter's brother, I think, played in the bigs. And Al Leiter's nephew, his brother's son, is in the bigs right now. I want to say with Cleveland as a pitcher. Uh, And Leiter, he's a Jersey guy. Down the shore, as they say, in the Toms River area. Same area as Frazier. Todd Frazier, longtime infielder uh, uh, in the bigs, mostly with Cincinnati. So to make this commitment financially, that's what it takes. 
I think. At the start, anyway. Money talks. That's what I've been saying, what Mark Few's been saying about the West Coast Conference. These teams here with these basketball programs, they just don't put that type of resources in. Not that necessarily, I guess, that they don't have it. And I, I mean, I don't really care what they do with their money. But if you want to be good, you've got to invest. So we'll see as we follow Vanderbilt. And it comes very difficult in the SEC because not only do you got to put in money, but you probably got to cheat to one level or another because the SEC has not exactly been the cleanest conference in the world. So Vanderbilt, ponying up the cash. We'll see if they are good right there. That's your college football. Let's move on, Young Yuck. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Slightly tweaked baseballs in play. Scoring and home runs are down in spring training. Through Sunday, spring training games are averaging 9.4 runs, the lowest scoring output in the spring training since at least 2015, and down more than one run from the 2019 spring training, which was at 10.5. And obviously they didn't get the full spring training in last year. They got a couple of weeks before it was shut down. So, yeah, I think they have to have some legitimacy there. Not Corey Seager, though. Man, he's bashed like eight home runs. I was watching the freeway series last night a little bit between the Dodgers and Angels, and wow, the Dodgers just pounded Shohei Otani. He was out. I think he gave up like seven runs in less than two innings, was it? He got hammered as they played in Dodger Stadium. So baseball starts, uh, what's today, Tuesday? Baseball starts on Thursday, right? And so we'll follow that. Thought maybe we can have some predictions here in the next couple of days. And if you go with the Dodgers, it's probably a safe pick. All right, what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. I already told you about Mike Smith coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, coming up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Our own Scotty G who is the play-by-play for the Utah State Aggies. What's going to happen with their basketball program? Because they've had a very good program, and they don't want to slip back. Hartwell uh, had some media availability yesterday, made a comment that uh, we can get to when we have Scotty and Hartwell being their AD. There's one thing that caught my ear for sure that I want to get to. All right, we've got some jazz stuff to get to. I want to get to uh, Craig Smith and his uh, press conference that they had on Zoom on Saturday. Stay with us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Regardless of the score, we really want to keep getting better every single you know minute on the court. And regardless if it's you know end of the game, early in the game, we want to play defense and uh, and and we want to share the ball offensively and shoot the ball. And you know tonight I think was probably one of our best game in terms of cons- consistency defensively. I think you know every single minute on the court, everyone that came in was uh, was locked in defensively, so it was big. 
That's Rudy Gobert right there. This is the Hot Takes or Toast. It's question of the day brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac. You can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive. The Jazz aren't test driving. They have bought in completely of what Quinn Snyder wants them to do. Rudy Gobert, obviously, speaking of the defensive effort, 75 points by that watered-down team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Brings to mind to me, now we know the Jazz uh, earlier in the season had a phenomenal run, 21 out of 22, is that what it was? And right now, what are they on, a six-game win streak? Is that what we got going on? One, two, three, four, five, six right now. That started, they got hammered. The good thing about the Jazz so far that I've been able to see is just when you think that, uh uh-oh, man, we got some issues here. There was a time in the beginning of the month, because we're coming to the end of the month here, right? Today's... uh, March 30th, the, the, the month started. I mean, you can go back to at Miami, uh, February 26th. It's not, that's not that bad of a loss uh, against Miami. Uh, Miami's a halfway decent team. They we went got to the finals last year. Yeah, they've been up and down this season with in and out uh, guys in their lineup, obviously. Uh, so I can't really say that that was that bad. And uh, wasn't the it was the first night of a back to back. A lot of times the teams go and play Miami and Orlando consecutively. I know the Jazz have done that a number of times over the years, and they did it this time. And they did come back and beat a crappy Orlando team the next night. But then the two losses that uh, really got uh, under our skin as Jazz fans and Jazz followers: the uh, New Orleans loss. Mm. Not awful, but they're not a good – I don't think they're a great team. I think – to me, New Orleans is like the new Minnesota Timberwolves. We heard for years that Minnesota was going to be good, and I kept saying, well, i got to see it first. And that's where they certainly, certainly shove uh, New Orleans and Zion Williamson down our throat a number of times. Seems like they're on TV a lot. And the Philly loss, that burned. Uh, and then they had uh, following Sunday losing to Golden State and getting worked, and then the Washington loss – uh, at the end of the week, they got uh, hammered on that one. So then you're thinking that Washington loss was March 18th, right? And that was just inexcusable. It just did not look good at all. Well, you're thinking, all right, they, at that point, they've wa- lost, what, four out of six? You're thinking, oh, man, here comes the slide. So what do they do? They turn around and they win six in a row. Granted, not against great teams, but I'm not going to go back and and say which of those 20 out of 21 or 21 out of 22, whatever it was, and say which teams were great and which teams weren't. Uh, they all add up. And so if you're 35 and 11, they all count the same. Uh, the question for me in the question of the day is that I ask, are the Jazz back to where they could win the number of games that they won at the rate they won before? And my hot take is yes. I would ask you, are fine listeners that we appreciate and enjoy so very much for so many years here. Do you think the Jazz can win at the rate that they won before? Now, that's an extremely high rate. So losing only one game in 22, 23 games, that might be a little bit out of reach. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. That one might be a little too high of a standard to live up to. but... But two or three losses in that time? Why not? Sure. Are we too close to the situation to not be able to fully recognize that Donovan Mitchell is now a true superstar? Not a developing superstar, not a budding superstar, but a true superstar player. 
All right, PK. Are we... Go ahead. We got some stats to back you up on that, though. Yeah, I was going to cite them, but you can too. CBS Go Sports ahead. Head uh, HQ, it's their online mm-hmm. streaming service, put this out. Saw I, that. In the past six games for Donovan Mitchell, 33.3 points per game, 6.3 assists per game, a 55.1% uh, percent field goal percentage, also 47.1% from three, five and one during that stretch for the Jazz. Now, don't forget his ability, degree of difficulty was 9.7. Locke said. 9.7. Now, I assume that's on a scale of 10.0. I would assume so. So you can only get three-tenths of a percentage point more to where it becomes virtually impossible. And yet he made it look so easy at a 9.7. Today, Tuesday, we'll have to ask Mr. Locke about that on Friday. You'll have to remember, remind me. How did he come up with it? Okay. Save that little clip there, Locke, so we can get How did he determine that was a 9.7? What's his criteria? I need to know. You can't just state that. Now, he's a stats guy, so once you put out a number, I'm assuming you have some stats to back it up. If he doesn't have a stat to back it up and he's just talking out of his you-know-what like I do, oh, my gosh, I'm going to come down so hard on him. I can't wait till Friday to be able to hammer him on that. I'm not going to let him get away with that. So he better have some stats to back up his 9.7, right? That's only logical, Yak. Am I, am I speaking out of line here? No, I think you can... You can hammer him if you want. Oh, I better you better believe I will. And I mean, I got plenty of opportunity to speak out of line. I've made a living speaking out of line, so I intend to let him know. You just cannot come up with some outrageous stat like that, nine point seven. But the point is, Mitchell is elite. Now, okay, he hasn't done it to this level in the postseason. All right, we'll worry about that when we get there. And this team has not proven anything. They've proven jack in the postseason. I understand all that. But when you look at what they've got going forward, why can't they roll out a streak that is at least close to, probably not just one loss in 22 or 23 games. I understand that. Uh, I, I get it. Uh, but when you look at it, you know, and, and watch it, we say this, and they'll turn around and lose, and I'll look stupid. It won't be the first time tomorrow at Memphis. Uh, and I consider the Memphis game a tough game because they will have played them uh, three times since Friday. And trying to sweep in the NBA in a postseason series, how many times does that happen? Although if you're looking at a one and an eight, which if Memphis gets in, you know, it's probably what it's going to be in some form uh, of the format with uh, play, play into the playoff thing that they got going on. So maybe that's what it ends up being when you see sweeps a lot of times, obviously, it is the one versus eight that's going to be the biggest discrepancy in the seeding that you could possibly have. So here, uh, they win this. I mean, then this they come home, uh, Chicago and Orlando. Oh, come on, Dallas. Uh, I'm looking forward to a week from tomorrow, the Phoenix game. That's an ESPN game down there in Phoenix, uh, local time. I think uh, our time is uh, eight o'clock of the Arizona this time of year. Yep, they're an they're hour behind. An hour behind us. Yep. Uh, my parents are gone now, but I used to have to explain that to them uh, about 20 times a year, exactly what the time difference is, because half the time in the standard time, we are on the same time. But when we go to daylight savings, they stay. So they don't change clocks in Arizona. The last thing they need in most of the state is another hour of daylight in the summer. It's already too hot. And I think it was in the fourth game of the season, fourth or fifth game. The Suns got them up here. But clearly, obviously, so much has changed since then. 
And Suns second place, man. So that's going to be a huge game for them for sure. And it's not like they got uh, cream puff games coming up all along. Uh, Portland should be decent. Uh, the revenge game in 13 days against your Washington Wizards. And then in two weeks, the big series with the Lakers. But who are the Lakers going to have? Probably not going to have both of the stars. Uh, And uh, we'll see what Drummond does. I'm really interested to see where Drummond ends up as far as his playing time and his production because he is a productive player. And speaking of some folks down there, they think that uh, Drummond can be what they're asking for him and with the two guys that they have and the two stars that they have, that he can be a difference maker. Now, he's not a difference maker on his own, but with what the Lakers hope to have in the postseason, he can be a difference maker. He can provide a difference, and certainly he's providing a talent that they don't have. Uh, But I don't know that they'll all be uh, at full strength when we get to the 17th and 19th of April. It's a Saturday and Monday and they get to spend some time. It's a rare on Saturday afternoon game on the April 17th. So fatigue and all that stuff shouldn't be that fa- much of a factor. Although in the first game, now that I look at it, uh, wow, is this true? Yeah. yeah, I was looking at this too. <laughs> 1 o'clock on a Friday against Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, and then Saturday a 2.30 game against the Lakers. So they have a Friday day a matinee like a baseball matinee that's on friday april 16th that's what it says on the schedule i have checked and i have checked multiple schedules to see if there's a discrepancy there but i have seen one o'clock is the tip time on that friday wow and i can't explain why because there doesn't necessarily appear to be anything that would be stopping them from playing that night but maybe it's just because the nba is expecting that to be a marquee game on the saturday that they're moving the jazz game up to give them time to get to la or are the Clippers playing at Vivid uh, Friday night like they do at Staples? You know, they have the game earlier in the day and then the game later at night. Uh, nice doubleheader or something. The Stars, are they playing? Well, the Star season is over. So. I know. They had the Orlando thing going on for those guys uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, wow, I just noticed that. I had no idea. Uh, that'll that'll be a talking point when we get there. Friday, April 16th, a 1 o'clock tip time at home right here in SLC yep. against the Indiana Pacers. Has that ever been done? Ever? On a non-holiday? I don't think so. Yeah, right. MLK Day, I know they played games. For years, uh, when I worked at Daily Breeze down in California, and my wife was a school teacher at Washington Prep right there in South Central, that uh, obviously they would be off on ML King Day, and the Lakers would always play like a 12:30 game, and we would go every year. Uh, we got, I got tickets through work, and we would go because uh, she was off and I, I was working nights, and so we would go to that game. So yeah, you're right on on weekends and and special occasions such as MLK Day, they would do that. But uh, let's uh, Friday, April 16th is I don't think that's some holiday unless I'm missing something. That's going to be a talking point. Uh, we'll get DJ's opinion on that when he comes back for sure. That, that's going to be real interesting. So they have two days back-to-back day games. This is, this is like baseball and football and college basketball, which they've got games all over the place and time of day. That's pretty cool uh, that they uh, set that up for that. 
So I'm excited for that. So I, I really believe that the Jazz had this opportunity to go on a, a little bit of a streak here. I don't see why not. I mean, they're 35-11. and 11. They're playing really well. I put the question up on Facebook. Uh, Alex, they look to be in full control with great focus right now. They have done far better than I could have ever expected. Life is great as a Jazz fan. I agree. Uh, Masa, honestly, competition hasn't been as good lately, but a win is a win. Okay. I'm not just going on the 39-point beatdown of uh, Cleveland. I'm going about uh, on the way they're playing. Mark Jones asked me after they have another 21 out of 22 games. Now, I don't think that they're going to go on that level of a streak because I didn't think they were going to go on that level of a streak when they played them, when they went on that streak. I thought that was uh, asking too much. Christopher McDonald doesn't want to hear it. One game at a time. He hashtags it with relax. Relax. Why can't you be relaxed and be excited? Tyson, at what point do we recognize Rudy as our MVP and being the MVP on the best team in the league should put him in MVP consideration? Now, I've been seeing a bunch of MVP talk and, and been listening to a lot of NBA radio with the satellite uh, that I got uh, releasing this car out of Tim Daly Southtown and the thing came with it. I'm going to renew it because I enjoy listening to uh, NBA TV and or uh, NBA TV, NBA radio, I should say. And, uh, boy, when they list the MVPs, you got to go a ways before you get to uh, Mitchell. Lillard still gets a lot of run, and I don't have any problem giving Lillard a lot of run, but I think Mitchell and Gobert have got to be there too. They've got, you've got to reward winning. Winning statistics uh, matter, and to me, the number one statistic is winning. And if you have the best record in the league, which right now they're on track to do, we'll see when we get there, but, boy, they should deserve serious consideration, both of those guys. Uh, either one, they should be high. Should they be top five? Boy, a Jazz team that's just out here in the middle of nowhere having teams, having two players. I mean, obviously, Letter Carrier got it a couple of times during his day, deservedly so, I believe. And I think they got to start Not throwing some recognition. Not according to some, but you're right. Uh, well, I, I didn't have any problem with it. I, mean, I didn't have a problem with it either, but I'm a biased <laughs> Utah native. But there are some that still say that his second MVP award was the most illegitimate MVP award in NBA history. Really? Yep. Most illegitimate in NBA history. Hmm. I don't remember that, but uh, and I had a bias, not that I'm a big, hardcore life jazz fan, but just watching him bring it night after night was uh, off the charts, that's for sure. All right, coming up next, I want to get to something that Craig Smith said in his introductory press conference with the University of Utah, with Mark Harlan on Saturday. Stay with us. We'll get to that next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, Athletic Director at Utah State. Knowing that Mark and the University of Utah were talking to some other people, you know, I, I, I don't know that you ever rest easy immediately following the season, but I felt a little bit better about our opportunity to retain Craig. But, uh, you know, Craig and I had a great working relationship and a great friendship, which obviously that will carry on. But it's a little bit of a, of a gut punch, if you will. But, hey, you know, it's also an opportunity. 
opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to continue to build on that success. And, you know, it does not take long in this world for many people to start reaching out to you, whether it's, you know, coaches directly, agents, you know, people who you know in the business. So um, great, great interest already. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK, 97.5-1280 The Zone. We're going to talk some uh, Utah State basketball. What are they going to do with their new coaching vacancy with Scott Gerard? Obviously, he is the radio play-by-play voice, and he does. Uh, he's our, our our big shot. You can hear Hanson Scotty every day from 10 to 2 right here on The Zone. Uh, but for now, something caught my ear. Craig Smith talking about, now he's the new coach at Utah, obviously. Uh, three for three in NCAA tournaments. And somebody asked him about playing in-state games. Since the uh, Utes have joined the Pac-12, I don't think they've played Utah State and Weber. I could be wrong on that. But I know they haven't played them up there in their respective locations. It's not what Pac-12 teams do. And so somebody asked Craig Smith about that, playing in-state games. They play BYU. He will continue that series. But here's a response on playing in-state opponents. I've always said, and I've said this on the record over the last three years, I think it's really important. This state loves and is passionate about basketball. So regardless of your affiliation, you know, whether you love the Utes, you love the Cougars, you love the Aggies or the Wildcats of Weber State or what have you, I think it's important to play the state schools. Now, are we going to play every school every year? No, it's just not feasible. And quite frankly, that might not be the best situation for us to get to, to set ourselves up for success to get to the NCAA tournament and help our net ranking. All right, there you go. So he's excited about playing uh, the in-state schools. They're going to play them every year. He says no. Uh, quite frankly, it's not necessarily feasible and may not set them up for success in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I see. It depends. Now, he was also talking about playing a top-rate schedule with these, what do they call them, the, the quad one? Is that what the phrase yeah, is? Yeah, quad one wins. On the games? Yep. Okay, and I'm all for that. So if you have a real tough non-conference schedule and you don't necessarily want to schedule uh, Weber State or Southern Utah, I'm okay with that. But if you start bringing in Mississippi Valley State, I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear that. I'd much rather see Weber State or Southern Utah, Utah Valley. Come on, man. Forget that. So I got to see I agree I'm okay with what he says in principle but I got to see the non-conference schedule because I just went back and everybody knows I was working for the Watchdog at that time in the 90s and I was covering University of Utah basketball for that phenomenal run that the excellent coach Rick Majerus had and as I look at I can remember being in Ogden I can remember being in Logan I mean, obviously, I was not down at SUU. But in 1997, 98, let's see, how far did they go? Well, they went to the national final game before they lost to the dreaded Kentucky, right? Second game of the season, they played at, speaking of the Utes, they played at Weber State. Third game of the season, they played Southern Utah. Eighth game of the season, they hosted Utah State. And, of course, in those days, they were playing BYU 
in their non or in their conference schedule home and away every year. So you had that going on. And so playing Utah State, playing Weber State, playing Southern Utah did not impact or hamper their ability to not only get to the NCAA tournament, but have success in the NCAA tournament. And that is the year they went 5-1 and one in the NCAA tournament. We all remember that. That was a grand time being down in San Antonio. That was as fun as any assignment that I've ever had over the 23 years that I worked for uh, daily newspapers, and that's including covering MJ's first uh, NBA title with the Chicago Bulls. I think it was in 1991 when I was working in, with the Daily Breeze. I was in the locker room after they won it all, being sprayed with champagne and all that stuff. So uh, let's see what the schedule is before uh, I say, wait a second, because I think you can have success. Pac-12 supposed to be all that this year, right? All these teams getting in there. Uh, in the Pac-12 and BYU and a halfway decent non-conference schedule, that ought to be enough because in what was not considered a great year, they took five teams this year. Well, it turns out they've had a phenomenal run. They still have two teams of it vying for the Final Four tonight. Both L.A. schools will be playing tonight starting at 515. You can hear the games right here on the Zone Sports Network, 1280. Listen to it if you're in your car or wherever you might be. You can hear for yourself. Are they going to do that? And that's with Arizona not being eligible. Them cheaters down there in Tucson, they impose that harsh penalty of not uh, having postseason play this year, self-imposed. So uh, you can get to the answer. You don't even need to win the conference. You don't even need to finish second in the conference to get to the tournament. So before he says that, uh, that it basically could impede success, I want to see what the, what the schedule is. And if I see a bunch of dogs, Azusa Pacific, uh, whatnot. Evergreen then I'm gonna, State. Then I'm going to call bull. Now, if it's a big-time schedule, uh, I don't see any reason why you can't fit in Southern Utah, Weber State, or Utah State. You can add Dixie uh, State to they, that list now, too. They went and won all three of those games. But I've been up there when the Utes lost to uh, Utah State. Uh, and, boy, that would certainly be uh, added a little luster when the former coach is taking his team up there. My guess is that they'll have to be in the Huntsman Center or some version of uh, neutral floor. So I put that question on uh, Facebook. We want to see these traditional in-state rivals because college basketball really doesn't take a – doesn't get a big run in December, and that's an opportunity to get some buzz. Uh, some of the responses uh, – isn't that what the Beehive Classic is each year? Yeah. Uh, well, they don't do that anymore. Uh, playing in-state schools is a great tradition. I think they should all play each other. That comes from Brian. I think, uh, Michael, I think they should do a rotation so that they play everybody equally and it's consistent. I think that way for football as well. Well, f- football's an entirely different animal. You only got three of those games. I was going to say, you have much more strict yeah. scheduling guidelines with football than you do hoops. And it looks like the Utes are intent every year of playing a big sky team. So now you're down to two. And uh, if you play BYU occasionally, I, and I, I think that Utah talks a big game about being big time in football, and they are. But I don't understand why they have to take BYU off the schedule if they play Florida. SC 
and Stanford. And you like to think you're a rival of SC. Well, SC plays Stanford and Notre Dame every year, and then they play BYU. Uh, so if SC can do it, why can't you do it? Uh, doesn't matter to me personally, but don't tell me that you're a big rival with SC because uh, if you are, do what they do. They manage to do it. I think you can get away with that. Parker, meh. Main rivals, yes. Not every state school. Okay, I agree with that. I don't think they should play every state school. But I would like to see them play Utah State more. And occasionally Weber, Nick Newman, heck, heck yes. BYU, Utah, Utah State, and Weber State should play each other every year at home campus arenas. All right, what do you think? Respond. You can hit me up on Twitter, PK Kinahan, or Yak. What's your uh, Twitter? At Jacob C. Hatch. Jacob C. Hatch. Man, you guys love the middle initial. I got to give you credit, man. I never realized the middle initial was. I couldn't get my preferred handle. Somebody else is sitting on it. So I had to go with my middle initial. Stud Muffin Yak is already taken? Yes, it was. (laughs) All right, Scotty G, we're going to find out what's happening with the coaching search with the Utah State. Stay with us right here, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The 8 o'clock hour is underway. I want to tell you about Mark Miller being our title sponsorship. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. And I am brought to you because our next guest has seen to it to employ me. Because without him, I'm nothing. Good morning, Scott Gerard. Good morning, PK. How are you? I am doing great. I owe all my success, whatever limited amount that I've had, to Scott R. Gerard. It's actually H. <laughs> Scotty H.G.? Yeah, how about that? No name, uh, just an initial. What my I, parents didn't love me. My oh, parents really? didn't love me enough to give me a middle name. It's just an uh, initial. Well, they knew you had some big things in store later on where that initial was going to come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two sisters, and one is named Patty, and I'm my father. I'm a junior, so... We took the name Pat and derivatives thereof and ran with it in three of the five. Wow. And we have middle init- we have middle names. Uh, but my other sister does not have a middle name. They didn't give her a middle name. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. So she I guess they forgot. I don't know. Of course she's very different from us. She's smart. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is she the uh, super, uh the uh Yes. Well, what was it? Uh, she was um, uh, a principal, administrator. Principal, yeah, there you and go. Then she worked for the school district and yada, yada. Yeah, she has her doctorate. And speaking of, you know, I don't like to get into controversial topics with you, but what do you think of the controversy regarding uh, Joe Biden's wife when she was a doctor and put the DR before her name, you know, and it wasn't a medical doctor. And you remember around December, that was uh, controversial, you know, if you recall. You know, where do you stand on that? So, um, Jazz looked good last night. I thought that was a nice win. <laughs> no, Cleveland's not anything worth chatting about, but hey, you ran him out of the building. That's the most important thing. I'd rather chat about Steve Cleveland. Or the uh, 
golf equipment, the Cleveland golf equipment, than the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> Agreed. Although I'd rather talk more about that than uh, than uh, than anything politics. I've already got my hand slapped too many times on that. So oh yeah, keep my mouth shut. Oh, oh yeah. what is this? The Big Show? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Gordon Mons is going to join me tomorrow as DJ is taking a couple of days off. <laughs> my sister told me she did get a. Uh, Christmas card from somebody who was uh, quite upset about all the goings on, and this person was right leaning, and um, so in in this guy wrote a letter and he was complaining about all this stuff, and he included the doctor thing, and so my sister's man threw the thing card in the mail and said, we're not sending him a card back. And I said, no, you fool. You should have sent the card back and made sure you signed it Dr. Janet. <laughs> she goes, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Come on, you got to put those Jersey roots to good work. Yes, you know, yes. <laughs> right. You just don't ignore somebody. You get the payback. And make it right. Count. Yeah, I know. And I, I'm surprised, you know, because she has more Jersey in her than me because she didn't yeah. move out to Arizona until she was in her 20s. I moved out when I was 13 years old. My two sisters were much older when they moved out. Uh, they were married and adults. I was a child because I'm way yeah. younger than both of them. So uh, she said, yeah, I should have done that. I said, yeah, that's the funny part. That would have been hilarious. So the doctor thing on that. There you go. All right. Wanted to bring you on to talk to you about Utah State. Now, uh, Hartwell did some media stuff yesterday, and there was some talk that uh, – as of Friday during the day, this wasn't looking like it was going to happen. Could you take us through that timeline? So, and it's interesting because it kind of lines up with with what I had heard. Because on Friday, you know, there's some rumblings going on. And so I actually said on the show, because I talked to people that, up at Utah State that said it wasn't happening. That uh, Craig Smith was going to stay at Utah State. And so I had, uh, and I kind of relayed that a little bit on the air. I didn't come strong and say it wasn't coming, but I had heard from a lot of people up there that uh, Craig Smith had given some assurances that that he was not going to go to, uh, he was not going to take the University of Utah job if it was offered. Um, the uh, and and yesterday on our show and later in a press conference, John Hartwell said the same thing. He said, "Hey, look, they told us at three o'clock that nothing was happening, and then at nine o'clock it was done." But he also said that there, he doesn't think there was anything nefarious going on, that it was just once, you know, whether it was Johnny Bryan or whoever said no, that it was ultimately uh, that, uh, that, that, that the spotlight that went on on Craig Smith and Craig decided not to take it. So, or Craig decided to take it. So to take it, yeah. that's the timeline he got. He doesn't think it was anything over the top bad, but that's, that's where he's at. Well, there's some things going on involved there. Obviously, that I think part of it is Craig Smith knew he had a good situation in Logan, so you don't just don't uh, leave uh, on a whim that you have to give it some serious consideration there. So that possibly could be one. And then uh, I'm not naive enough to know uh, to not think that uh, potentially more cash. Yeah, for sure. Nothing and, wrong and with I that. agree with. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, I agree with John. I think that at the end of the day, um, Craig, you know, Craig at that point 
didn't think he was leaving. Like, I don't think anything was, was, you know, underhanded or anything like that. I just think things went really quickly. And there may have been some conversations, and probably there was something said that said, hey, look, we really think that, you know, this guy's going to take the job. Um, so, you know, if he does, we're going to go in that direction. And then when they found out he wasn't, you know, what Johnny Bryan or whoever didn't take the job, then it was uh, then it was Craig's job, and look, the the money is too was too good. I mean, you and I would have done the same thing. Oh yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, each person's got to make his or her own decisions on that, and those are tough decisions to be made. And if you can drive up the salary, now we had a you and I exchanged some communication over the weekend, and the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. A little bit of the Kyle Whittingham way back when, going back sixteen, seventeen years. At 8 o'clock at night, he was not taking the Utah job. He was taking the BYU job, and that had been uh, reported. And at that time, it was accurate. And I I had spoke to Mr. Whittingham that night, and you could tell that it was weighing on him big time. And then uh, three hours later or so, he decides he's taken that job at Utah. And clearly, he made the right decision. I think that's where his heart was, and that's where he belonged. And so he decided to stay and be elevated from D coordinator to head coach. And he's going to retire as the winningest coach in Utah history. So obviously, he made the right decision. Uh, remains to be seen if Craig Smith did. Uh, I listened to all of his stuff on Saturday. And I found that uh, typical Craig Smith, man. He said, <laughs> I, think, I, I think we got a good nucleus. I'm saying, well, wait a second. That nucleus got Larry Kostowiak fired. And that nucleus is losing Allen and Plummer. So I'm not yeah. sure they have a good nucleus. But I also think that this program, and I covered that program in the 90s, they need to have all sorts of enthusiasm back into the program. And so that's why I think Smith was an excellent choice by Mark Harlan. You were on the front line, so to speak, of that enthusiasm and the job that Craig Smith did. Speak to that as far as being able to get that program and get everybody in Logan excited about it. Well, and that's what I uh, I tweeted that out when, when it came out. Look, there's... I can't guarantee Utah fans Pac-12 wins. I can't guarantee you NCAA tournament trips because I I don't know how that transition is going to go from a win-loss standpoint. But what I can guarantee you is what we've seen already, that he'll win the press conference. He'll bring a ton of enthusiasm. uh, He'll have that same kind of energy that, uh, and again, I'm not drawing the comparisons in terms of wins and losses, but he's got that same kind of Urban Meyer-esque, especially in the early 2000s when Urban was at Utah where he's going to do everything he can to put butts in the seats and bring a certain level of excitement and energy back to that program where he wants that Huntsman Center to be rocking. He wants that student section to be great like he used to be. And he's going to do everything in his power to help make it happen. That's the kind of guy he is. Um, he's, he's a ball of energy. Uh, he'll go out and meet anybody at any Kiwanis club or whatever he needs to do to make sure that there's excitement to that program. Uh, and that's, that's what you can count on with him. He's incredible working with the media. Uh, he's, he's great trying to get the image and the excitement back to a program. And I think that's, I think you hit it on the head. I think so what Utah needs initially right now is some level of excitement, not just some, here we go again, you know, and I love Relayer Kaskoviak. I think he's a great guy as well. Um, and a great person, 
but you need somebody who's going to do everything in his power to promote that program. That's what Craig Smith's going to bring initially. Scott Gerard, who is the play-by-play broadcaster for uh, Utah State football and basketball, joining us here. You also hear him from 10 to 2 on the zone with Hans Olsen. I, I want to talk to you about the recruiting aspect of it because recruiting is a big deal, and uh, Alex Markham of Rivals re- uh, reported that he's bringing back uh, Slocum, who was down at UNLV, used to be at Utah as an assistant coach, and those guys have a history together. It was a uh, in Colorado, they had it uh, somewhere along the line. Anyway, that's one of these uh, places, uh, one of the staff uh, spots is going to be filled. Yeah. As far as recruiting goes, uh, you know, he had uh, good teams, great teams. He brought in Cada, right? He recruited Cada yeah. to yeah. Utah State. Uh, the nucleus of a program that went to the NCAAs three years, and they didn't go last year, but they had won it, so they were going to go. Uh, there was no tournament. Uh, who was he responsible for bringing in, and who did he inherit? Well, obviously the big one he inherited was Sam Merrill, uh, Quinn Taylor, um, you know, uh, Abel Porter. Um, you know, those are the guys that uh, got in there the first year with Kata. Uh And then after that, uh, you look at, uh, I think he's brought in really a couple of really good pieces on this year's team, although super young. You know, I think uh, you, you look at the uh, uh, the overseas players that he brought, um, Sheeman Sapala, you're not, you know, we only saw just a brief moment of, but but they anticipate he'll be good. Max Sholga is another international player they're really excited about. They got some time. Um, but, the, you know, obviously a heavy, heavy dose over the, at least the first two years uh, were, were Tim Durier and, and even, you know, Sam Merrill is even a Stu Morrill guy. Uh, that's how far back he went. Uh, with the mission and everything. So, you know, the questions are right. I mean, and I think it's, it's, it's valid about, you know, what did he do on what, you know, with players that, that he brought in and your initial thought was always going to go to Namish Keita. That was going to be the guy that he brought. And, and the lead recruiter on that's Eric Peterson, who I anticipate here in the next two days is going to be announced on that staff at the university of Utah. I'm, I'm uh, 99% sure Eric Peterson is going to end up at the university of Utah. So, with him and Slocum, and, you know, Petey was a guy that went to Portugal and pretty much lived there for a month to make sure that they got Namiya Shkeda. So he's a tremendous uh, recruiter, especially on the international scene. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm fairly certain you're going to hear him announced as a University of Utah uh, on, that, on that staff as well. So, uh, you know, I, we didn't really get a chance to see a lot of what he could do recruiting, but by all accounts, it sounds like, you know, he'll, he'll knock it out of the park. Okay, he's going to have to. I mean, you can bring all the enthusiasm yep. in the world, but you got to have players. I mean, it's one hundred percent right. Yep, and, and that's uh, one thing we've one thing, all learned. One thing with him, though, he's really particular on recruits. And um, there were a few transfers that he had a chance to bring in um, this last off season, and he just didn't feel like it was right. And okay. you know, so so he's very particular on his locker room. He wants to make sure that the locker room's sound. He doesn't want to bring in. Um, players that just don't seem to fit. You know, there was a player that uh, was Southern Utah's best player this year, Torian Knight, um, or John Knight, excuse me, who uh, led Southern Utah in scoring. He started at Utah State and just didn't quite fit. And uh, then he transferred to Southern Utah, and he's had a tremendous career. That's a that's a Craig Smith recruit right there. So, you know, he's very particular with locker room. If he doesn't feel like it's a good fit locker room-wise, then he's probably going to try to move on from a player. 
so we can say he has the second best locker room in America? Sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know who has the first, don't you? Uh, it'd be the Jazz, right? No, be Mark Pope. He says that all the time. Best oh, locker yeah. room in America. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so, Scott Gerard joining us. Uh, now we turn our attention to what's going to happen in Logan because they've got to get a basketball coach. And, you know, they've had a pretty good basketball tradition, too. And we've all been in the spectrum when that place is rocking. And, you know, great. Reminds me of uh, uh, what's the place? Dukes. What's their Cameron. You know, Cameron it's very, yeah. yeah, it's not super big, but uh, it's a lot of student sex uh, support and uh, we get the community involved and you got a whale of a home court advantage. So there's a lot to sell for Utah State. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as where they're going? It's uh, a good question. I think that uh, John Hartwell keeps everything really close to the vest. I think the most obvious one out there that makes a lot of sense uh, is Tim Miles, and I think you covered Tim and saw him a little bit when yeah. you were oh, on the basketball sure. beat back yeah, in the day. Yeah. I think there's some, I think there's some mutual interest there. He's been out of the game for a year or two after getting uh, let go at Nebraska. But Craig mm-hmm. Smith was on his staff at Colorado State and at right. uh, and in Nebraska. So I think that's one that could be out there. Um, I think I would look at uh, Chris Burgess and uh, Cody Fuger. I think those are both two great options at BYU. Um, and then I think that there's, um, you know, some other, uh, the Eric Peterson thing, I think, uh, he's, he was, he was the lead assistant under Craig. And, uh, I think that he may have had some interest, but ultimately I think he's going to end up at the university of Utah. Like I said, I think that's going to be announced here in the next uh, day or two that he's going to university of Utah. So, um, I'd say Tim miles probably, but, uh, knowing John Hartwell, he will announce somebody that you've never heard of. And then it will eventually be really good. So, I mean, he's knocked it out of the park with Craig Smith. The Gary Anderson thing, I don't think, was ultimately his call or something that the direction he was really interested in going in initially when uh, bringing him back to Utah State. The Blake Anderson hire uh, has brought a lot of excitement to the program. Obviously, we don't know how that's going to be until we start playing some games here in the fall. But he's everywhere he's gone, he's made really good hires. And I think uh, hopefully he can do the, do the same again. So I listened to him. He was on with you guys and then uh, had some media availability. And one of the things that caught my ear when he was on with the media availability was talking about uh, how he's if he has to go through this every three or four years because he's hired a great coach, he's willing to do that as opposed to hiring an average coach and being okay for a decade. And so I thought about that, and it's like, all right, and sort of like what Chris Hill uh, would used to say at Utah was that if, if the guys are good, they're going to come after you and come after them, and that's just the way it is. Now, interestingly, you know, the only guy who left uh, was Urban. Uh, the other yeah. guys didn't leave, and Kyle's not leaving, uh, because, and I think in large part because he is a, a Utah guy. And, and knowing Kyle like I do, one of his greatest accomplishments, he's going to leave as the winningest coach in Utah football history. That's a given. But if you ask him one of his greatest accomplishments that he's most proud of is that his four children all went to the same schools. Went grade school, junior high, high school. 
Uh, and then I think they all went to the U of U, too, for that matter. And as a family guy, that matters a lot. And that weighed on him, and I think that helped in, in a large part keeping him local. Uh, can Utah State find a balance in that way of getting somebody who really wants to be in Logan and that's where he's developed and made his life and put down his roots? Or does the pay prevent it in terms of, well, if they're really, really good – you, Stacy, uh, Craig Smith, these types of things, that's just what they're going to have to deal with. Well, I mean, you're going to have to – I mean, they had that essentially with Stu Morrill. Yes, they For did. a long time, and Stu won a ton of games, and I think Stu was kind of that Kyle Whittingham um, belief that, you know, look, I just want to stay here. And, and he flirted, and I think, you know, Kyle Whittingham, I think, had some opportunities, a Tennessee job, you know, what, eight, nine, ten years ago. So there's been some opportunities out there, but – you've got to find that unique guy that is willing to stay there um, and, and willing to embrace the community. And because, you know, it's a, it's a good community up there, but when you have a chance to double or triple your salary uh, doing the same work, uh, it's, it's hard to turn that down. So yeah, it's going to take a unique person to take that. And I think, look, I think John Harwell's right. Like, look, if we're winning games, we're going to get phone calls and guys are going to move on. Matt Wells, you know, nearly tripled his salary. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know what would have happened if Kyle Whittingham stayed at Utah, but Utah was still in the Mountain West. And now he's, you know, now he's yeah, very yeah, yeah. well compensated in regards to everybody oh, else sure. in the country at the P5 yep. level. Yeah. But, you know, would he have stayed the whole time had he, they been in the Mountain West and they could only afford, yeah. you know, 1.5, 1.6 million and somebody comes in and says, we're going to offer you a four? I don't know. You know, it's, right. it's, it's, right. it's an interesting world Utah State's stuck in right now. That's an interesting point, Scott Gerard joining us. Yeah, when you think about that, the the he didn't he got a new job in a sense without moving and taking a new job <laughs> because of yeah. the change of uh, going from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. Uh, uh, before we let you go, a couple of things. Uh, you think that sometimes when coaches leave, there's fallout. Players leave. We know Kate has already put his name in the draft, which is obvious to me. He's an NBA player. As I watched him, I thought defensively he was just a beast this past season. So I gotta believe there's a spot for him in the NBA somewhere. And so, do you anticipate anybody taking off? And then, what's the timeline to get a new coach in there? Well, um, John Hartwell mentioned with us yesterday he wants it done by uh, mid to end of next week. And so. He'll be at the final four this weekend um, where, you know, there's, you know, a yeah. bunch of, and I don't know what it's going to be like this year with the COVID, but there's always a lot of coaches floating around at the final four. So he wants to use that opportunity, I'm sure, to talk to some people. Um, so I think in the next, you know, eight, nine days, you're going to have a new coach at, uh, at Utah State. Um, then- as far as other players leaving as of right now, and Kata, by the way, the Kata news wasn't related to Craig Smith. He was always going to leave, and he should. For sure. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It was it was the right thing to do for him right. and, and, and his point right now. Um, I, you know, as of right now, everybody's staying put. Um, Alfonso Anderson put his name in the portal, but he was always going to uh, try to uh, test the water somewhere else. That was, you know, a week or so before the Craig Smith news broke. So as of right now, everybody's staying put. I got to imagine there'll be one or two just because that's the way it always seems to go when you have a coaching change. But I don't, I would be surprised if it's a mass exodus of players going somewhere else. One other thing, I lied. Utah State and Utah, you think they can get a series going? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I just don't think that's a priority for the University of Utah right now. And Utah State wants a home and home. And um, unless 
Uh, and I think that, you know, I don't know what, what has spurred that. Um, if I'm Craig Smith, I don't know if I really want to go up to the Spectrum and Logan. Um, so I, I would be surprised if it gets back on the schedule on a regular basis. There might be, uh, might be something that pops up here and there, but I don't think it'll happen on a reg on, you know, on a yearly thing like BYU and Utah State. All right, Scotty, what you got coming up today? Busy show. Um, David Locke makes his weekly appearance. You know how that usually goes. We don't talk, and he talks a lot. Um, <laughs> and we'll also have Jay Hill on and uh, talk about the Hail Mary that may have saved their season and are run at a national championship. And just broke my heart as a former Northern Arizona University lumberjack. Well, let's be honest. Your memories of NAU are pretty vague, I'm sure, for various uh, reasons. On purpose. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scotty, thanks for joining us. Listen, look forward to listening to you in a couple hours. You got it, man. Appreciate it. All right, that's Scott Javard giving us the lowdown on Craig Smith, how he's going to do at Utah, and uh, what's going to happen at Utah State. Obviously, he is the play-by-play voice for Utah State Aggie football and men's basketball. Coming up, should they have in-state games? Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, we hit it a little bit in the 8 o'clock hour, 7 o'clock hour. And we'll get to it here in the 8 o'clock hour. Mike Smith, who does the Jazz pre-half and post-game analyst for AT&T Sportsnet, long time associated with the NBA as a player and as a broadcaster. We'll talk to him uh, at the top of the hour at 9.05. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, Athletic Director at Utah State. Knowing that Mark and the University of Utah were talking to some other people, you know, I, I, I don't know that you ever rest easy immediately following the season, but I felt a little bit better about our opportunity to retain Craig. But, uh, you know, Craig and I had a great working relationship and a great friendship, which obviously that will carry on. But it's a little bit of a, of a gut punch, if you will. But, hey, you know, it's also an opportunity opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to continue to build on that success. And, you know, it does not take long in this world for many people to start reaching out to you, whether it's, you know, coaches directly, agents, you know, people who you know in the business. So um, great, great interest already. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. I need a drink of water. Hold on one second. I got my drink of water. I am good to go. DJ's off today. I'm PK. Thanks for listening to the D- DJ and PK show. And you tell you about Zero Reds. I tell you about Zero Reds all the time. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Reds carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Well, you call Zero Reds. Right now, just $33 per room to get your carpets Zero Reds clean. But minimum supply. Call them at 801 288 Three seven six, or schedule online. You just search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning, and they will set you up in a manner that you will love. I promise you that. I've had them out to my house many, many times. I just heard Scotty G. He's the voice of the Utah State Aggies on the radio, men's basketball. Craig Smith. Uh, is he the right man for the job? Uh, Utah basketball, you know, I can't say it's a sleeping giant because that would imply that it hasn't been a giant 
Maybe it's uh, it needs reawakening. I can give you that. But in my mind, yeah, that that program has already been a giant, and they are a giant. And that's why I appreciate Craig Smith. I thought Craig Smith, to me, was the obvious choice. He would have been my first choice locally here, ahead of the two former players who have not been college head coaches. And they're in the pro ranks. And obviously they want to stay in the pro ranks, and good for them. Speaking of uh, Alex Jensen and Johnny Bryant, uh, I don't think that you need to have somebody in your program. I mean, if you can, that's cool. I'm a, I'm, if that, that's the right person for the job. But to me, I think Craig Smith was the guy because I think you need somebody who is going to sell your program. And Utah needs to be, they need somebody to come in with outrageous enthusiasm. Now, he said, I think we got a good nucleus. <clears throat> and I'm writing about this. They're going to post it here. Our website's back up, right? Yes, it is back up, 1280thezone.com. Okay, so I'm about to send it to you at 1280thezone.com. The website was down for a little bit, but now it's fully functioning again. So you can check out everything that I write there. And then my buddy Josh Furlong over at ksl.com. He posts it on their website, so it's available a couple locations. I'll tweet it out here in a little bit. And one of the things I I'm, one of the thing I write this week is, oh my gosh, you listen to Craig Smith speak, and that guy, he is a bundle of enthusiasm. Now I think he's uh, got a lot of hyperbole, or as I call it, hyperbole, because you look at the fact that he's saying that they've got a good nucleus. Okay, well, if they got a good nucleus, that means Larry Kostobiak was not a good coach because that nucleus was not very good, right? They had a bad season this past year. Sub-500 record. Yeah. So if the nucleus was good, then Larry didn't get nearly enough. Now, ultimately, he's gone, so obviously he didn't get nearly enough. But I believe that Larry was a halfway decent coach. Uh, for whatever reason, players were leaving and all that stuff. But I think that Larry uh, has an opportunity to find himself someplace else. And, and who knows, he can maybe do a good job. And you're looking at Utah State, and they're talking about uh, Tim Miles being a leading candidate. Well, he got let go in Nebraska. He did very well at uh, Colorado State when I was uh, working for the newspaper covering him back then. So he knows the lay of the land for the – Mountain West, so if uh, Hartwell decides to go in that direction, I'm fine with that because I think you reach you reach a level of uh, where you need some experience, and that's why I thought that Mark Harlan, didn't, I think he's doing the right job. I don't care if uh, Smith was the first, second, or third choice. It doesn't really matter in that way. He's the man. He's got the job. So right now he's the only choice, and he has he had incredible success. You cannot argue, and he talked about how he rebuilt programs and what was that uh, – what's the first program he was at? May, Mayville? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And then – and uh, so he's – he's by his second season, I think uh, South Dakota took by third season, but he got it going. And then Utah State, man, they hit the ground running big time. And in order to recruit – right now, exactly what Utah State needs – or Utah, I should say. What they need is somebody who's full of passion and enthusiasm, even if it's over the top – and is a little bit of just full of it, so to speak, right now. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. 
because they've got to have somebody who can sell that program. So I'm excited for him to see what he can do. Now he's got to hit the recruiting trail. And he's got to get some – got to get dudes, man, particularly in basketball. you got to get – all you need is three or four of them, and away you go. And I can recall when – I told the story before, when I was in Vegas first year conference tournament at the MGM, I run into somebody that I've known in the Pac-12 for a long time. Utah's down at that point. And Kristobiak has got a he's got a bad team, uh, right? Didn't didn't have much talent. And the records, I think he had two losing seasons. And then his third season, he went to the NIT. His fourth season, he's going to the Sweet 16. And a guy told me, he said, everybody in this conference is concerned about Utah basketball because we know that they're going to come back. And why they're going to come back is because in Salt Lake City and in the community, Utah basketball matters. And a lot of places in this conference, it doesn't matter nearly as much. But it matters in SLC. And with that type of commitment that they have and that type of fan base that they have, that they're going to get it back. And this was when Larry was in his first year. This guy's telling me. This guy's still working in the Pac-12, by the way. So he has been around for probably 20, 25 years in the conference, obviously back when it was Pac-10 and now 12, and he said, yep, we're all, I, I, I don't think he said petrified. I can't remember the verb, worried, uh, concerned. Uh, we're taking note of the program because we know that it's going to be back. And that's the way I feel about with Craig Smith right now. I feel like they're going to be back. And you got to give them a little bit of time because I'm not sure the roster is built to win, especially with uh, Plummer and uh, Allen taking off if they don't come back. And right now it doesn't look like it. Maybe they can change their minds, and Craig Smith would welcome them back. And we'll see if a foreign kid or two, they got a couple foreign kids on the roster now, they're supposed to bring in a couple foreign kids. Uh, we'll see if all of those guys are back. It would surprise me if all of them were on the team next year. Uh, so I don't know that the roster is built to compete at the level of the dramatic uh, impact that Craig Smith had in Logan where he makes the NCAA tournament right off the bat. I don't know that that's going to be the case. The point being, you're going to need to give him some time. With that in mind, I do think that if you give him some time, second or third year with the transfer portal, you can rebuild a little bit quicker than maybe you could historically, even going back as 10 years when Larry took over. Uh, But I think it's the right hire. I think it's a level of enthusiasm that you need. You fans, are you excited? What What's the phrase, Yuck? Uh How you hanging on? Where are you? How are you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in a Scipio <laughs> right now. I'm a state of confusion right now. All right. But there is no confusion as far as the Jazz. Are they about to go on another one of these humdinger winning streaks? Stay with us. We'll get to that next. 97.5-1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Coach Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator at BYU. Everybody is curious to know how the emerging talents at quarterback are going. We gave reps to four guys this spring, which is not ideal. When you give reps to four guys, you're sort of at risk of maybe not anybody getting enough reps to know anything. That's the risk of it, but I felt like it was a unique situation where we could spread the reps around this spring without really hurting our development. So that's what I did. Gave them all reps, and we've got a good group. These guys are good players. We're going to continue this competition into fall camp, probably 
seven to ten days should have a pretty good idea of what direction we're going to go, but still need a little more time. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Well, I, I think the habits are the same, you know, um, regardless of who's in the game, regardless of the score, who you're playing, and that, that's the nature of, you know, of habits. Sometimes when you get a lead, teams have a tendency to stop sharing the ball quite as much. And that's something I think we, we did a good job of. We kept playing the right way. You know, we kept running back. There were, you know, usually if you let up mentally, you know, you can see it with certain mistakes that jump out. And that, that wasn't the case. And I thought everybody that was in the game was focused on playing defense. That's Quinn Snyder talking about the Jazz as they dispatch the Cleveland Cavaliers 114 to 75. What did we say? That's a 39-point margin of victory, Yuck. Correct. Is that what your math tells us? Yep, 39 points. Yeah, 35 and 11. Now, Cleveland sucks. Let's call it like it is. Alex Sexton and Garland at guards. Uh, Allen acquired uh, for uh, in the trade earlier in the season, which is why they bought out Drummond. Drummond going to the Lakers. Let's see what he does here as uh, he gets going. I'm not sure he's going to do a whole lot without LeBron and Anthony Davis, but when they get their guys back, uh, I think he can be a significant addition. Uh, So I asked the question, the Jazz set to go on another winning streak. They got the uh, Grizzlies uh, tomorrow, 6 p.m. That game is going to tip off, right? Six o'clock tip, 7 o'clock local time there in Memphis, obviously. Yeah, central time in Memphis there. At the is it at the FedEx Center? That's where uh, FedEx Forum, Mem- I believe, is what it's called. Yeah, Mem- Federal Express is in Memphis, Tennessee. I used to be in Memphis, Tennessee, a fair amount because my wife's grandmother lived across the border in Arkansas, and we would go to Memphis to fly in. Uh, so for a good long while, for about a fifteen-year period, I was going there once or twice a year. Uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, which is where Arkansas State is, where Blake Anderson, the new Aggie coach, came from. He and I have Jonesboro roots. Who would have thunk it? Uh, but the Jazz, are they ready to roll now? There was that period earlier in the month, started last week of February, where they had lost four out of six, had that bad loss to uh, a couple of bad losses to the Warriors and to the Washington Wizards. I have to see. <laughs> Excuse me, man. But I'm Bless back you. now. Thank you. I appreciate your blessings. Uh, there was nothing I could do about it. DJ's off today, so he couldn't take over for me. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, can they can they can they roll? Can they get going? Can they get going again? I think they can, man. I think they can. Are you in that uh, position to believe, Yak, that they can get rolling again? I think so. Uh, Locke brought it up on his Locked on Jazz podcast. He did a postcast last night. They have seven games still on this schedule down the stretch here against bottom-tier teams, which is what Cleveland is. We're talking like the bottom third of the league. And in his opinion, you should win all of those, and that should add at least seven wins on top of what I think the Jazz right now, they're getting a lot of confidence like they had earlier this year. What was it? Was it, was it 22 of 23 at one point? 
Oh, you're going to have to make me go into my memory. And then if I start counting, <laughs> I get to like 16, and then I can't figure it out, and I lose track. <laughs> Regardless, I, I think they can get back to winning at a pretty prodigious rate here, and that would be good news for them locking up that number one seed going into the playoffs. I, well, I think they're definitely going to get the number one seed. It uh, looks like a me, pretty foregone conclusion right now. Yeah, for, to me, I, I, yeah, I think that's the phrase I would use, foregone conclusion, the number one seed, uh, because of the injury factor. Now, I, I, maybe it's not a foregone conclusion. Uh, there's still time if they slump and the other teams uh, get in a roll. Denver, Denver, a lot of excitement cir- circulating around the Nuggets right now with what they've got going on, bringing in Aaron Gordon. Who would have thought Aaron Gordon would be, uh, well, the big difference? But that's what they're talking about, you know. They're way excited, and they've got some players on that team now. Uh, let's, let's not uh, discount that. Um, but I don't think they've got enough to be the number one seed. Phoenix, nobody really believes in Phoenix to the level that they should because as much as the Jazz haven't proven anything, uh, Phoenix is even less. They're even they're they're substantially less as far as that goes. As far as proving something, they just have not proven anything. At least the Jazz have a level of uh, what what is going on as far as proof. If you just want proof, Jazz have more proof than Phoenix, and the Clippers don't seem like that's a, a big priority. And I get it; it shouldn't be. And the, and the Lakers have injuries. Uh, Portland. Uh, I think Portland is a better team than they were earlier in the season, but uh, I don't know that they're going to climb four spots because then you start having to start having to climb a bunch of teams, and that becomes uh, somewhat problematic. Can the Jazz rock? Can they go? I'm not going to go 21 to 22, or I'm hoping Yach right now he's quiet, so I'm hoping he's counting it 22 of uh, 23 to figure out what it was. But it was a Currently phenomenal counting. run. Are you, ca- are you currently counting? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, then I should be quiet because I don't want to disrupt you and interrupt your counting. Because oh, anytime anybody does that for me, boom, I'm out. But I can't be quiet because this is sports radio, and that doesn't work. We have a dilemma right now. What to do? Hopefully, Yach is better a better man than me, and he can find a way to have concentration with me babbling. DJ does it. Now, he's more experienced than Yach. DJ does it very, very well. Just... A lot of times, he, in fact, most of the time I speak, he's looking at some nerdy stat on the Internet. So he's so conditioned. That's what he does all the time. I wonder if he does it with Honey when she starts going off about what's going to happen today or whatever. Okay, I've got if, he started immedi- if he started immediately going to great Padre teams and how this Padre team is going to stack up <laughs> to the two Padre teams that went to the uh, World Series. What do you got, Yak? So it was 20 of 21. If you extend it out further, it was 22 of 24. So there you go. All right, so 22 and 2. I'm not going to say they can go 22 and 2, but let's just go 25. We'll make it uh, not that it's an even number, but it's more of a round number. Can they go 20 and 5? Can they go 20 and 5 in the next 25? I I absolutely think they can. Absolutely. Yes. And that's a pretty good run, obviously. Are they good enough to go 20 and 25? Or 20 and, excuse me, 20 and 5, over 25. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. Do you think that they can do that? I think they can. I think they're primed for it. We'll get Mike Smith's opinion. Former BYU Cougar, played in the NBA, longtime broadcaster. He's probably been broadcasting uh, in the NBA 25, 30 years as far as that goes. He's been around for a long time. Funny enough. He's- 
PK, Go by ahead. the way, on this. 25 games, that's essentially the remaining uh, schedule yeah. the Jazz have. There's 26 technically remaining, right. so there you go. Okay, it's 21 and 5. Can they go 21 and 5? Uh, I think they can. What do you folks think? Let us know. Stay with us. Mike Smith's coming up next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for joining us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, Mr. David James is off today. I'm PK, sliding over a chair, having a good time doing the show this morning, talking, of course, about the Jazz as they have an impressive win that they are coming off of. Now on a six-game winning streak, 26 games to go. What do you think, man? Can they get close to what they had earlier in the season when they won 22 of 24? Is it feasible? Is it possible? Did they have it in them? There was that little cold stretch where they lost four of six. Seems like it's somewhat of a distant memory, even though that, uh, you know, that playing the best competition. I'm not really concerned about the competition right now because I think that the Jazz have reached the level to where it's completely about them. If you have the best record in the league, they're 35 and 11, so what's that? 46 games. I mean, once you you start reaching this many games as you're approaching 50 games here and they only play 72 this year, uh, going forward, it's not about competition. Competition can get tougher, yeah. And with that in mind, I am definitely, most definitely looking forward to the game against Phoenix. I think that's next Wednesday. Uh, the 7th, and Phoenix got the Jazz earlier in the season. Phoenix is this upstart team right now, man, and they're very excited. My former hometown down there in the Valley, uh, listen to sports radio down there. Uh, Ryan Hatch used to be up here, is the boss down there. So I listen to them, see what's going on in my old hometown, and uh, the enthusiasm is just really, really high, as it should be because I think they've had – 11, maybe 10 seasons in which they haven't made the playoffs. And they used to be, when I was down there, man, they were a very good franchise. They were winning, going to the playoffs every year. And uh, the Lakers usually would get them in the postseason as they got everybody in the 80s. That's the way it went. So they could never get over that hump, as few teams could, against that ball club. So with that in mind, there's a lot of excitement there. So it's not like they're going to have a bunch of dog teams. And Cleveland's a dog team. I mean, let's call it like it is, right? And how, how do we disagree with that? They're not very good. But the Jazz just rolled them, man. They just rolled them. And that's two games in a row where they've rolled. You know, they're coming out of the All-Star break. They had a couple of games. Well, Houston and then that first game against Memphis. They let Memphis back in. Now, Memphis is better than Houston, that's for sure. So uh, they, did give them a good, they did give them a good game. But the Jazz did win that on Friday. Probably you would have thought it would be a little more comfortable. But give give Memphis credit. And that's the level of the NBA. There's a few bad teams, and I think Cleveland is one of them. I don't think Memphis is a bad team. They're not a great team, but I don't think they're a bad team. They've, they've got some decent players. Uh, Valanciunas uh, went uh, for 30-10 and 10 last night. He's a big, big dude. And John Morant, we get to see him play. Uh, exciting young player. That movie he had against Gobert. A little crossover, then go into the bucket, and Gobert's right on him. He changes to the left hand in midair and banks it in. And that was very, very impressive. So they're capable of winning. So that's why I think the Jazz are going to have some losses along the way. 
but are they capable of rolling to the point of getting 26 games? Do you think they can go 21 and 5? I think they can, guys and gals. I use that general gender neutral because I know we got a lot of female jazz fans. I hear from you all the time. Yeah, I think it's there, man. What about it? I asked you, can they go 21 and 5? Kenneth, Jazz can go 22 and 4. I will do you one better, PK. Will they do it? Will they do it? Who knows? Can the Jazz do it? Heck yes. All right. Kenneth's pretty positive. Think they can do it? Hit me up, PK Kinahan. I'll read your responses. Can they go 22 and 4? In their final 26. Now, I haven't analyzed the schedule because it's somewhat pointless to analyze the schedule uh, 17, 18 games out because who knows who's going to be available. Knock on wood as much as you can. Whatever you got to do for superstition in terms of health, do that because the Jazz have had, by and large, excellent health this season, right? And let's hope that they continue. All right, joining us now is Mike Smith. You hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game on AT&T Sports. Mike, you get the distinct pleasure. DJ's off, so you got PK solo today. Today is your lucky day, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. How's everybody doing? You're, you're flying solo, huh? Yeah, got to take. Uh, you got to allow a couple of days off uh, here and there. I don't know. Did Ralph Lawler ever take any time off? Uh, he wanted to never miss a game. Like that was his his mantra. He loved broadcasting more than he loved his own family, which, <laughs> in some ways, was to his detriment. Um, but the funny thing is, one time he he lived he lived like two and a half hours away from the arena. Like he, he lived for one weird period. He moved to Palm Springs. Oh, he did. So that would, that would be like, God, that wouldn't even be like, you know, Bowler Jack living in Logan no. and, you know, driving down to do the games. It was another hour. And one game he got stuck in some traffic thing and he couldn't get there. And so they turned to me and said, Mike, you're doing play by play tonight. And I said, you got it. And when we moved like the the pre and post analyst over and I did the game and anyway, I was trained to do that. But but yeah, he he hated to miss games. Um uh, we all did. I think I missed one game in twenty years with the wow. Clippers. So it's it's kind of a weird thing, right? You you know it's a good gig. No, for sure. And you, you just kind of the Lou Gehrig Wally Pip thing, like you you, you never wanna miss an opportunity and give somebody else a chance, somebody to say, oh, that guy's pretty good too, or that yeah. guy's better. But yeah, it, that, that, that's so funny you say that, Mike, because, you know, DJ and I, next week, we're going to be uh, marking our 19th anniversary of doing this, oh, tel- or doing this radio show. Good and for you, you know, guys. You know being in broadcasting that that's a long time to do a show. Yeah, it's uh, a so long you, run. Yeah, and, and in the early days, as I was sort of making my mark, you talk about not wanting to take vacation. I was freaking petrified, Mike, because I oh, thought yeah. that very same thing, man. This is such a sweet gig, and I had worked my whole life. I wanted it bad. I grew yep. up in Phoenix. I first heard sports radio in uh, the early 80s, and it used to be on from 10 p.m. to midnight. 
guy did it, and that's that was like the introduction. And I first heard it, and I thought, wow, I want to do this. This is me. I love sports. I'm not good enough to be a player. This is what I can do. I really wanted yeah. to do it, and I finally get the opportunity, and I did not want to give it up. My wife, I thought she was going nuts because I, 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 like, I would start to just almost get sick, the thought of somebody uh, taking my place for a week. I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, there's all that that's involved, and everybody who gets there to a certain level, especially at the level you are or doing NBA games, we all have a story of how we got there. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I finished playing, and I, you know, wrote the Clippers, which is the last team I played for, and I said, listen, I'll do your games in Spanish. And they were like, what? What? No, we don't have a market here for it. And, of course, you know, they did because the Lakers are here in town. And the Lakers had not only Spanish radio but Spanish TV. And I said, listen, let's start with the radio. They're like, no, 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 you know, we, we, we don't have the budget for that. And I said, listen, I'll go find the stations. I'll go find the sponsors. It kind of went back and forth like that. And finally they came back to me and said, nope, we decided not to do it. And I'm like, that's the wrong choice. <laughs> and then they called me back like two weeks later and they said, um, you know, we were thinking about it. We're not that happy with our radio guy in English. And so by radio guy, they meant like the David Locke guy, right? Not, yeah. not They didn't have a color guy in radio. They said one guy doing play-by-play. And they said, why don't you submit us a tape and we'll consider it? Okay, I'd never done radio. I'd never done play-by-play. But I sent them a tape of a game I watched and I turned the volume down and just recorded myself into a cassette player. That's how ancient this is. Mm-hmm. And just did my best, you know, Chick Hearn, who was the legendary Laker announcer that I grew up listening to, and just sure. kind of sent him my best version of me doing play-by-play. And they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I started in the business. I was doing radio play-by-play. So I think I've said this before. Forgive me, fans, or anybody listening, but... Hot Rod Hunley and I are the only two ever to have played in the NBA and done radio play-by-play for the NBA. So that's – I don't mind being linked with Hot Rod. I think he's the best. What a run he had. Mike Smith joining us now. Speaking of uh, uh, what a run he had, we know the Jazz earlier in the season, 22 of 24. I think we we just looked it up, and 21 of – 20 of 21, just an incredible That's streak correct. here. And so they've won six in a row. I don't know that they can get to that level, but the way they're playing now seems to be on the funk that they had earlier in the month uh, with a blowout loss to the Warriors and the, and the disappointing loss to the Wizards. I think they're primed to go on. I don't know to what degree. I don't know that they can match it, but I think they're primed to go on another run. What do you think? Well, they got all these games coming up at home, right? I know just a minute ago it was going to be 11 out of 14, so they just had a, a, a slew of them, the two at Memphis, and then one away against Memphis, and then Cleveland last night, right? So that was four of those, so maybe eight of the next 10 or seven of the next 10 at home. And I looked at the opponents, but they're the best record in the league. And, like, Arguably, you could say they're the best regular season team in the league. They really are right now. Yeah. Let, let's just let's just not. They they got a lot of great things going. Okay. I talked to Steve Kerr that night. They lose to the Warriors. I talked to him the night before. So 
So I was doing the pre-post for the Warriors game, and Steve's an old friend. I said, tell me your honest opinion. He goes, Mike, they're a lot like we were the first year we won it. He goes, they got multiple passers, multiple playmakers, a great assessment uh, of shooters. They defend. They get after you every night. They like each other. And so here was Steve kind of making this case to me that, listen, they're, they're as good as we were. In some ways, you know, no, I, I don't see the the Stephen Clay super duper star shooter. But you know, Stephen Clay were not Donovan Mitchell either, and that's being fair to them all, right? Steph is—I'm not saying Steph is one-dimensional. Steph is incredible and the best shooter we've ever seen, and will go down as the best shooter ever seen, and multifaceted. But Donovan's a little bit different, right? He score and can take a game over and can get his own shot and maturing right before our very eyes. But I thought that was just like a very, he didn't need to do anything. He was just talking to me, right? He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't in front of a camera, Steve Kerr. So he was a little bit unguarded in his assessment. I think it was a, a real honest depiction of who they are. And of course the Warriors went out the next night and beat him because Steph went for 33 and kind of just messed up the jazz flow. But, uh, they're good, and they got a chance. Oh, that was the last thing Steve said to me. He goes, Mike, they're legitimate title contenders. And I really believe that. Now, I've only started doing the games after the second half of the season, so the first half I'm just kind of an objective observer because the bubble and they wouldn't fly me in until now we feel a little more comfortable. But now I'm watching them, and I'm saying, this team really has a chance. Now, PK, you and I both know that come playoff time, that stars usually prevail. Uh And it's true in basketball more than it is in any other sport. Uh, You know, Brady proved that it's really relevant in football, but in baseball, not so much, right? Baseball's a team game. Baseball, you can have that Cinderella team with the great assessment of chemistry where a team can win a title and catch lightning in a bottle. And the basketball, you can catch lightning in a bottle. Dirk and Dallas did it, you know, once. Dwayne Wade did it early there with that Shaq team. They weren't the best team, but had a, a historic rise of a certain player at a moment where they just caught it and went with it. But typically, or usually, it is the team with stars during a seven-game series that will emerge victorious because it's not a one-game shot. It's not March Madness. It's it's seven games. It's the best coaching minds in the game kind of trying to take away what you do best. That being said, if you consider all that, you'd say, oh, well, Lakers or Clippers, you know, probably the best talented star-laden team in the West will prevail. I don't know this year. Like, I'm telling you that. I don't know. I don't know that they can do it. I think the Clippers made a terrible move trading for Rondo and getting rid of Lou Williams. Because to my point about stars, you need stars. You need guys who can get a shot and create a shot. And I thought the Clippers were uh, terrible last year, losing that 3-1 lead to Denver. But, but I thought with George, Kawhi, and Lou Williams, they become a little bit unguardable come playoff time because you need a third guy who can score. The Lakers are the Lakers, and LeBron. And I don't know this year if they can recover from being out. 
I don't know how serious the AD injury is. I think LeBron comes back. I think he regains form. Is he good enough to take them to the finals again? It all depends on AD. But I typically think the Lakers don't have enough shooting to do it. So we'll see. Now that brings you back to the Jazz. Are the Jazz better than any other team in the West? Yes, they are. And in the regular season, they're better than the Lakers and Clippers. In the playoffs, can they beat those guys for seven games? That's what we're going to find out. I think they have a chance, and I think they got a better chance this year than I've ever seen. They defend. Rudy's better. If Bogey continues, you know, and Ingles, and I'm not saying they have to play at their historic, like Ingles just had a run, you know, eight games ago that was out of sight. Donovan's on a tear right now. Last night he would have done the same, but he only played 23 minutes. You know, if Bogey plays like he did last year and can find that, stroke, you've got a shot to beat anybody. Conley's been amazing this year. They're really that good. So it's, it's going to be fun. And the Jazz are going to finish with the number one seed. They really are. That means home court advantage. That home court advantage in that arena is more important to them than I think any other team in the West. PK, I'm telling you, this, this, could, be, this could be the year. I'm that excited about it. Yeah, okay. Jazz broadcaster Mike Smith joining us. You already gave your thought on the Rajon Rondo Lou Williams acquisition. There was a couple other yeah. ones that I wanted to get your thought on. We'll start with, and you can take them however order you want. The Lakers add Drummond, the Nuggets add uh, Aaron Gordon, and then Portland yeah. gets uh, Norman Powell. Assess those moves and how it would not, relate not, to postseason success. Non factor up in Portland. I mean, Nor- he, he's good, and he's played great for Toronto. You know, that's, that's, that's okay. It's not, a, it's not a game changer. It's not a difference maker. Portland is still Portland. Portland's still going to so rely heavily on Lillard and McCollum to score 25 each to yeah. beat you. And they could do it on a given night, but they're not going to beat the Jazz in a seven-game series. But they're playing better. Give them credit. I think they've won maybe 9 of 13. And Denver, the identical record, I think 28 and 18, on the rise. Uh, yeah, Aaron Gordon's an athlete. Uh, I've never been a huge fan. I do think he got robbed in two dunk contests. <laughs> I think what he did in those two dunk contests was unbelievable. And he should have won hands down. I don't know how he didn't. But um, he's okay to me. Michael Porter is more of a factor in a player because of how lights out he's shooting the ball and Jokic is having a great year so they're good they got off to a really slow start but I don't think they're beating the Jazz even though they got them last year I I just don't Um, Drummond Drummond. listen it it all depends on AD and I think that injury is more serious than anyone's saying so I, I just it all depends on him last year he was healthy Typically, he's not. Look at his history. He just doesn't. He's, he's fragile. He just doesn't play 82 games. He's always missing games. He's always hurt. Last year, he wasn't. And to the Lakers' benefit, he and LeBron carried them to a title. They didn't have to go through the Jazz, and they didn't have to go through the Clippers. So, you know, they just – and give LeBron credit. I mean, it was his best performance. I think that's the worst supporting cast he's ever had other than A.D., 
AD was amazing. But the other crew, compared to the other three through 12 on any other team he's been on, was the worst. And they won. So, I don't know. I think what's interesting is that the Lakers, even though they've won three in a row, can fall and could fall while LeBron's out and AD's out somewhere around six. Right? I don't think they fall to seven. But if they fall to six, I'm loving it. As you are and as are all Jazz fans, because that would mean (laughs) Clippers-Lakers in the first round. And that means you get rid of one of them without having to play them. Sure. Like, like you don't want it. You don't want it to line up, so you got to go through both of them, because it's just going to be a tough, grinded-out series against talent-laden stars that you got to stop for seven games. If you can get rid of one of them in one shot, you've got a chance. So, I mean, the West is good, but uh, if you just ask me who could win the title this year, there's really there's really five teams. Let's put the Suns Jazz, in there? Clippers, Lakers, Nets, Philly. That's it. That's it. Okay, winning the title. Uh, so you don't yeah, you don't the put, whole thing. You don't put the Suns as a threat in the West. No, no, not to win the whole thing. No, not but to win the good. whole thing, but just a threat in the West. Listen, they're going to finish second. I really believe it. Chris Paul is a difference maker. Chris Paul is too short to win an NBA title. That's, that's nothing against him. I've known it. I, I broadcasted every game he did as a Clipper. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I, I've seen his greatness. He's a leader. He's a game changer. He will elevate any team he plays on. He's, he's Magic Johnson numbers-wise for his career. 19 points, 9 assists, 3 steals, and his teams win. But Magic's six foot nine, and Magic's got five rings. And Chris is just too short to get to the finals. It's a shame. He's really that good, but it's not going to happen. They're they're a little bit. They're a great regular season team. Monty Williams has them defending their butts off. They share the basketball. Booker's legitimate score. Chris Paul's made DeAndre Ayton a factor, and they've assembled a team that that really wants to win. It's a great staff. Willie Green uh, is his lead assistant, who's a stud. I mean, I talk to him all the time. That They're just, they want it. They're not good enough in the playoffs to get past the second round. So there's just not enough star power there. But that's okay. okay. But I like that they finish second. <laughs> let's keep the Clippers at three. Let yeah. the Lakers fall to six. And let's get rid of one of those giants on, on the Jazz route to the championship. Yeah, I like that scenario. As far as Chris Paul, different player, but in terms of the height issues, how does it relate to Donovan Mitchell? Donovan's got great length. Therein lies lies a difference. Donovan at 6'3", or whatever he is, wingspan of 6'8", or 9", is a finisher. He's got great length and strength. Chris is not long. So Dwayne Wade was long. Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. built like Donovan, right? They're they're same yeah. body types, athletic, okay. long. Dwayne Wade almost seven foot wingspan. That's why he played like he was six seven. Donovan uh-huh. plays that way too. But Donovan's so much better this year than he was last year, for sure. And last year he was pretty darn good. We saw what he did in the playoffs, but he's so much better. There's such a 
there's such a, a slowing down of the game that's occurring to him. We can't do it easily, PK, because we we always see the present, right? It's even true with yourself. Like, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying any of us looking at ourselves, we don't look back and see who we were four years ago, five years ago, or or in our athletic history, our infancy when we started out. Right? Think back to Donovan rookie year and all those spin moves and all those leaners and and, and and all those shots that were like remarkable to see, but then followed up the next year by all the times he forced them. Like it was like he discovered Pandora's box, like, oh, gosh, I'm longer than all these guys. And so when I get in the paint, I can go in here and lean and do these little one-handed leaners. And, and then the next year, the league kind of figured it out. And they're like, okay, when he gets in the lane, he's going to that move because the league's smart and scouts are smart and coaches are smart. And then the next year, Donovan evolves and matures and you know you you hit a 50 point game and all of a sudden your mind says you mean i can do that i'm gonna go do that Uh but i just watched him this year you're watching him he's so much better no question his three-point shot is better all of his numbers are career best so all of his numbers points rebounds assists but the only thing that's not i think is his field goal percentage maybe is a little tick down three-point percentage career best, and that's hard to do. It's hard to increase your scoring every four years on a team that's built the way the Jazz is, right? It's not, uh-huh. it's not a one-man show. It's this, it's this multifaceted, you know, free-flowing movement of pick-and-rolls and slides and three-point kickouts, and it's not like they run plays for Donovan. He's really good. So, yeah, I mean, height's an issue, but he plays much bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks for coming on this morning. Appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. I'll be back, I think, uh, maybe like three, four games. I'll be there for a slew, maybe, I don't know, 10 to 12 the rest of the way, and then all the playoffs. And, oh, cool. And, and hopefully next year full-time. So I'm, I'm fired yeah. up. I've loved this team from my days as a college kid at BYU, and I'm watching Frank Layden first coach and then Sloan and, you know, the days of Stockton and Malone and, it's just a great franchise. I'm super excited about where they're headed. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right. That's Mike Smith, jazz broadcaster. Do you share his enthusiasm? Uh, he makes a lot of valid points there. Uh, what do you think? Let us know. All right. Coming up next, get you caught up to date. What we've been talking about. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Right side drive by Garland, sees Gobert, leaves, just goes home. Now he's going to try to attack Gobert. Reverse side layup, spiked out of the air. Everybody tries it once and nobody lives through it. Here come the Jazz. Ingles for three. Pow! Pow! Gasol! No, not that pow. (laughs) Pow! Joe Ingles on the three. 
The Jazz, yeah, the block shot by Rudy. And then leads to the three in the Jazz freaking roll by 39 points. They were unstoppable. Absolutely against a crappy Cleveland team. But they've been pretty pretty good no matter what. The great thing about it is you played a lousy team and you drilled them. Go home, get out of here, or wherever your next trip is. See you later. Goodbye. And that's what the Jazz did to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You've got to love that as they have won their sixth in a row. 35-11, and 11, man. 26 games to go. Memphis tomorrow. What are they going to do? How far are they going to go? What's going to be their win streak? It's 26 games. What are they going to win? 25, 24, 23, 26 and 0? Oh, my gosh. That would be unbelievable. No. They're probably not going to do that now. But can they go 22 and 4, 21 and 5? I think 21 and 5. Now, I haven't doped out the schedule, but 21 and 5 seems like uh, it is doable. Speaking of doable, this is just amazing, man. I've got on Get Up. Uh, the uh, ESPN show uh, with Greenberg and uh, who's the one guy d- does the uh, college uh, game day? So it's, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. David Pollock's on the right Pollock, there, yeah. and then you also got um, what's the other guy's name? It's uh, Rich, not Rich. Riddick? R- Lewis, Riddick? Lewis Riddick, yes, Lewis Riddick. Yeah, and he's there. Riddick is there live on the scene. He's got a mask on. The other guys look like well, Pollock looks like he's at home. Greenberg's in the studio. And then Riddick looks like he's there in Columbus because it is the pro day for Justin Fields, right? Correct. And and probably all of uh, who's ever participating for Ohio State, but the quarterbacks get the ton of run. And they are talking about Zach Wilson here big time. They've already shown the throw. It's the throw. They've shown it now probably five times in just since we went to commercial. And now they're showing some other stuff of him. Uh, during the regular season against some of these teams that they've been playing. San Diego State looks like he just threw a touchdown there, a little out uh, inside the 10-yard line. And they are just going hard on Zach Wilson. And the throw. (laughs) That throw. (laughs) If if that doesn't scream, uh, who's the dude who can throw the ball over the mountain in Napoleon Dynamite? Uncle Rico, baby. <laughs> That's throwing it over the mountain and that throw. They showed it at the BYU indoor practice facility from every conceivable angle side, ground, uh, back, behind them, in front of them. Man. And they're wishing they had more going, angles to show. They're going berserk on this throw. Now, I understand, man. He had like two or three throws, or you told me it was five or six that weren't on the mark. According to some people. <laughs> I didn't say it. Somebody else said that. <laughs> okay. Well, what do I know? I never played the game. Uh, I, you know what I think I'm going to do? I was thinking about this, you know, as I write a weekly piece for our website's back work in 1280 The Zone. Go check it out. Uh, KSL. My buddy Josh Furlong covers the youths. Does a great job for them at KSL.com. He'll post that thing over there, too. And this I'm doing it a piece on Craig Smith and how I believe he's the right man for the job at the University of Utah, even with his uh, hyperbole. I sort of enjoy his hyperbole. They've got a great nucleus at Utah. That's why they had a losing record. No, they don't. But go ahead and sell it, Craig. You did a fine job at, out, at Utah State, and let's would love to see you do well at uh, Utah. We've said this a million times. Locals do well. It's good for business. 
and this far along the line, 19 years of doing the show, I'm not about to root against the local teams at this point. So uh, I was thinking about one of the things. When Zach was a freshman, I wrote a piece that said BYU is back in the quarterback business, right? And uh, you can I, can you comment on 1280? I don't know if you can comment on there. But uh, the KSL, they put comments. And, oh, man, I got ripped. I got ripped on that. And I'm thinking about doing a piece going back and just putting in some of the comments that I got when I said when he was a freshman, I wrote BYU is back in the quarterback business. I believe that was the headline. You can go look it up. And uh, I know that uh, the Corner Canyon coach, Eric Kerr, who I know a little bit personally, my wife teaches there, retweeted it i think uh, zach's dad retweeted it because i had spoken and it wasn't me saying they're back but you come after me because i'm the guy to come after i get it it was jeff grimes it was eric care It's guys who know what they're talking about a thousand times more than i do it was aaron roderick who'd been a coordinator at the pac-12 level these guys telling me what they thought that's how i get a lot of my information is they tell me and then i formulate it myself uh, based on what they say and what I see. And I did put in that he's back, B, the BYU's back in the quarterback business. I think they might have proven right uh, on that as far as them being in the quarterback business because he had a phenomenal career and now he's just uh, the the throw. They can't talk about that throw enough. <laughs> it's just, of all the stuff, I never would have thought the pro day throw would be that big of a deal. And then they followed up with a throw that Sam Darnold made because he's with the Jets, obviously. And I think Darnold's good, and that's probably my Pac-12 bias there. But they show him throwing a touchdown pass. I think it's against your Niners, Jacques, where he's big time across his body and the receiver's on the left hash cutting in on a little down and in play. And he does put it right on the money. There's no question about that for a touchdown pass, and it's probably a throw of maybe 20, 25, 30 yards. And did it sidearm. It was a pretty impressive throw. It's totally against his body, and he just zinged it, and it was right on the money, caught the receiver in stride for six. So that was very much an impressive throw. So interesting to see what the Jets are going to do because John Lynch and um, Shanahan came out yesterday they spoke to the media and said that, okay, they moved up probably to take a quarterback, but they're still thinking about keeping Jimmy G because the quarterback they get is obviously going to be a rookie, so why not have a veteran there too? Now, I don't know if that was trying to drive up trade value. I don't necessarily take what everybody says a complete 100% face value, well, they, but they, they I did admitted find that interesting. If the right deal comes in, they will trade Jimmy G as anybody would, but they're – I think they're trying to play it safe here where if they get a guy, let's say they get Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, he's more of a project than I think most people would consider Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence to be. So maybe you have Jimmy G start his rookie year, do what the Patrick Mahomes model did. You had Alex Smith start for that year, then after that they take over as the starter. And in theory, that gets them a head start on their career and a little better positioning. Yeah, and uh, Lance, he only played one game, so he didn't even have a season. Yeah, he's played uh, the minimal amount of games, really, I think anybody really could. Do you think they go for him over uh, Mac Jones or a Justin Fields? So I was actually reading some stuff on this yesterday. I would actually think it's Justin Fields is probably the target, but Mac Jones can't be ruled out. And Mac Jones, man, I mean, what a phenomenal season. Now he completed 77% of his passes. 
That's the highest in FBS history. Now, well, you say, well, wait a second. I mean, they had a guy who won the Heisman, and he wasn't even viewed as the best receiver on the team. The best receiver got hurt. So is it how much is that just awesome talent? Is it the old high school thing? And I've spoken to co- uh, quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators, and they talk about trying to uh, evaluate. I remember a conversation with Aaron Roderick on this very thing. How do you evaluate these quarterbacks? Because in some of these systems, now this, they're going from high school to college, and in those situations you get these guys that, you know, they're not pressured at all. The play they draw up in the in the – in the on the chalkboard and in the huddle, it just works to perfection, and away they go. And so is Mac Jones that same type of deal with this overwhelming talent? And he's telling me Andy Ludwig, you know, that's why he wants to see the guys in person and evaluate them that way, not on film. Film helps, but he said uh, Aaron was telling me uh, one of the days after practice when I was down there talking to him about it, talking about how uh, you really need to see them in person away from the film to see what they do and arm angles and all these types of things. And it's obviously it's very sophisticated and technical that the experts, which I am not one, they are uh, able to figure those things out. And even that, with that in mind, they still get it wrong. So draft coming up at the uh, end of next month here. I think it's, uh, what, April 29th to May 1st or something like that? Yep. And you mean Cleveland this year. And Zach Wilson just getting a ton of love. As he should. I, I thought, and those guys told me, this kid's the real deal. I think he proved, obviously he proved it at the collegiate level. Now you got to prove it at the pro level. Just because you prove it at the collegiate level doesn't mean you're going to prove it at the pro level. But uh, at this point, uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and he's going to get that opportunity. That's the great thing about it. So that's what we've been talking about. Other stuff that's going on in sports here in the NBA. Clippers get the win. They hammer the Bucks. I just don't believe in the Bucks. Do I believe in the Clippers? Now, we just had on Mike Smith, and he thought the trade for Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams was awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, interesting. Yeah, he you know, came strong on that one. The uh, idea is the Clippers needed a true playmaker. And Rondo, you know, I wonder, Rondo, does he just kind of slog through the regular season? Because I thought in the playoffs last year with the Lakers, he was way better than I anticipated. And if he can match that, now he's got better talent with LeBron and Anthony Davis, even better than what the Clippers have. Uh, Clippers got decent talent. So will he be able to have the same impact? Because if he has the same impact, and the Clippers are a team, certainly a team to watch. But I like Mike's idea, Jad Broadcaster, Mike Smith, saying he would love to see the Lakers fall to six and keep the Clippers at third and have these two teams square off. How about that, squaring off in the first round? Wow, that would be awesome. And one of them goes on the wayside and doesn't the Jazz don't have to have to face both of them? It would, uh, and we'll see if they even face either of them, but that's uh, interesting. All right, PK, coming up next. Yeah, go ahead. One note before we go here, going back to the kind of the pro day thing for BYU, Tom Pelissero, he covers the NFL just on a national level, uh, says that former BYU wide receiver Micah Simon, who obviously went undrafted last year after COVID wiped out his pro day, he participated in pro day last week for BYU, ran a f- reported 4.34 second four-yard dash, and today is signed with the Carolina Panthers. So... Probably. Oh, they already signed him as a free agent, huh? Yeah, they signed him as a free agent because he's obviously a free agent now having gone through a draft yeah, yeah, cycle. Yeah, 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 you're out, right. So yeah. congratulations to him on that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, was it Hefo or Simon who caught the throw? Hefo caught the throw, but Simon was also in that yeah, throwing right, session. Right, right. Yeah, 
I'm so fixated on the ball in the air for a thousand yards right on the money that I forget who was the uh, other guy at the other end. So it was Hefo who caught the pass, but Simon is signing a free agent deal with Carolina because he's run a four three. That's awesome. Uh, I hope maybe he can be another like a Michael Davis story with uh, San Diego and find yeah. himself a home yep. and be in the NFL for a good while. That would, that, that would certainly be cool. Good for uh, Micah Simon. Wish him the best of luck. Stay with us. We'll wrap up the show next. Get you ready for Scotty and Hands coming up at 10 o'clock. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Need to tell you about the warehouse. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 6 Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Yacht, do you want to do the boom or should I? Boom. Nice. All right, you'll work ready. on it. Get a little lower next time. I don't expect you to be Thurl Bailey low, but boom. You know. <laughs> boom. <laughs> All right, the uh, warehouse, uh, the big shows uh, tend to be there on Fridays. Uh, and they'll be there again this Friday. And they've got those prices. It'll blow your mind. Boom. All right, feedback. So a couple things we were talking about this morning. What do you think the Jazz can do over their final 26? What's their record? And then also talking about should Utah continue some kind of series with Utah State and Weber? Craig Smith was doing his press conference on Saturday, and he talked about he likes the series. It looks like the BYU series will continue there. Uh, and that makes sense because I don't see where – uh, that's going to hurt your power ranking or net ranking or your NCAA chances through either team. Really, uh, I don't know that it'll hurt it that much losing for that matter, and it's great for the state. Those two teams, they need to be playing without question. They need to be playing every year. That was a dark moment when they decided not to, and they got past that real quick. Uh, go ahead and play. The football, I can sort of live with it, but basketball, no, absolutely. They need to play every year. But Craig Smith, he would say, yeah, he's interested in playing these games, but he doesn't know that they'll play them every year because he doesn't know that it's right recipe to set them el- set themselves up for success. And, and my, my comment on that is that when the Utes went to the Final Four, they played SUU, Weber State, and Utah State, and obviously they played BYU twice in the conference that year, and BYU sucked back then and didn't hurt Utah's chances or their seeding, and they got to the Final Four and the final game for that matter. Branson comes out and says they just need to hold a true single elimination tournament at ESA in October every year. Seven D1 in-state schools plus Westminster. Do we have seven D1 schools? Yeah, we've got Utah State, Utah, BYU, Utah Valley, Southern Utah, uh, uh, and Dixie State. So that's six. And then seventh would be Westminster, but they're Division Two, if I recall. So Okay, yeah, all right. So if you include Westminster. If you include them, yeah, you have seven there. You said seven D1 schools, seven D1 in-state schools plus Westminster. Uh, I don't think we're missing anybody, are we? I don't know. Once you start getting the numbers, I check out. Okay, fair uh, enough. <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, if you go Dixie, SUU, BYU's three, Utah four, Utah Valley five, Weber, and Utah State, that is seven. Is it not? 
I think you are correct. Yeah, so Branson is right on that. Uh, that would be cool. I mean, I get – I would prefer Utah to play home and home with Utah State. I mean, Majerus went to Weber, uh, and, he, and he went to Logan. It just it, – it didn't hurt. It did not hurt their chances in the NCAs, and it did not hurt their seeding. There's plenty of games to overcome it, and I, just, and I know he played at Weber. I remember – uh, who was it? Uh, Boyette went off one time for Inter-Man Weber. Boyette, yep. And uh, I, I, they lost to Weber, and I, I can't remember what year. Uh, and I was there at the uh, up at uh, Weber's arena. And Majerus was in the locker room, and he came out, and you know it's well chronicled. He and I weren't the best of buds, and I asked him like three questions. And he said, uh, Weaver played well. It's like the Rashid Wallace. And I thought, the hell with it. If that's all he's going to ask, uh, that's all he's going to answer, I'm going to ask about 20 questions. <laughs> we always had this back and forth. So I'm just creating questions. So what do you think about that boxing out in the second half? Weaver played a great game. And he kept giving the same answer. <laughs> and I kept asking just, just creating questions that didn't even deserve to be answered, but I figured we were playing that game. All right, coming up next, Scotty and Hans. Stay with us tomorrow. DJ will be off, but I'll have a special guest, and he and I will get into it. I'm not sure about what, but I know we will. We'll have a lot of fun, so join us tomorrow starting at 6. Thanks for listening.